And we're back live on the road. Captain's log four, I reckon. No. I don't know what number it is at this point. Might be five. I thought, just, this, uh, I thought it was the second one when we started last. Is this three? Could have been. I don't know. The first one was three. Then I kicked it, the cord. So then it's four. Could be. Could be. Captain logs four. That's what we'll take off. Uh, just refueled. Nathan's refueling with uh, some Arrowhead water. Some fine Arrowhead water. Supposed, supposedly the best in the world. It's world class. I disagreed with Porcelain Throne and that gas station. Absolutely. How'd that go for you? It was nice. Good. Uh, it was definitely not fulfilling. Stuff. It was quick. Well, well, I would imagine it wasn't fulfilling. It's was probably emptying. Well, the, well, now you know the feeling of a nice, good shit. Oh, know? yeah. But this one, no, uh, it was kind of like there's a, I'm waiting for their shoe to drop situation. Sure. Um, I think the animal style definitely is ravishing, or ravaging rather. My, what do you mean? My innards. Oh, oh, oh it, animal it's, style. It's, it's preparing for a, it's preparing for a counterattack. Ah, I see. It's about to launch a full scale invasion of some poor toilet. Okay, and I'm just hoping that the uh, infrastructure of the building is able to withstand. Let's hope. I'm assuming this uh, may be the next gas station. That's two seven seven. You know what? I don't know. Okay, might be the house. Could be. Hopefully, it's sturdy. It's not. Mm. Our shitter at the house is not good. We will find out. Oh, no, I already know. Oh, it's not a good, not a good shitter. I already know. Not good. Yeah. So that poor thing really just comes down to the animal style spread. Yeah, I see what happens. Yeah. Hopefully, your body can withstand before we get to that point. Oh, it most certainly can. That was okay. definitely a nice uh, ceasefire, I believe. That sure. Has been nice little treaty was signed. Yeah. That's good. It's kind of like Christmas Day on World War One, But then the Vietnamese <laughs> the still fighting, invaded. The fighting so. will continue. Oh, I reckon. But. That yeah. is one war that never ceased. You're always shitting constantly. Well, yeah. Every day. Yeah. Well, oh. not me. Oh. I've never been a daily shitter guy. Really? Yeah. What? How often do you shit? I'd say like every two, three days. What? Yeah. What? Buddy. Come on, Steve. What, dude? I shit every morning. I know you do. At and least. For me, it's every morning, every day after work, and then one time before bed, usually. Yeah. I'm, I, mine's usually two, sometimes three. Yep, sometimes three. The The nighttime one is a hit and miss. Yeah, that one's iffy. Yep. It's like, can I save it till the morning? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not Straight sure. Up. I've never been a daily shitter I my entire that's life. that's healthy. I think I shit three times each day on this trip. Well, there are some people who don't piss for like a week. Why? Those people, their body just drink some water. Their body just doesn't need to. Yeah, but they need to drink some water. You need to eat some more food. I don't think it's that. I drop hammers when it is the case. But used to have a large colon. Maybe. Yeah. Rectum can store a lot, huh? Well, it's a lot. In oh, yeah. I mean, it's, large it's, volume. Yeah, he's, it's a, been, he's a big guy. Yeah, it's so. been through its fair share. Yeah, no, I'm actually a petite man. Um, petite. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, so. That's what we determined on the way out here, at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a petite says, man. Says the the lengthy guy scrunched up in the front seat. Yeah, petite, petite. Oh, hey, my aunt said, make sure y'all definitely don't speed around York. So many people get busted there. Copy that. Yeah, usually York is a pretty big old hub for that. There's been a few cops on this route. That yeah, there are three or four of them. On the way out, I didn't see... I don't think one. Well, granted. No, we saw them once we got closer to Denver. Yeah. There were like two or three that went out. But We're not here in Nebraska. All the cops we saw were helping with wreckage. Yeah. 
the beginning of the trip distracted some of them disabled themselves yeah yep they were a little preoccupied preoccupied for sure yeah no i've always been a like every two days every two days really probably, yeah really really usually now now you know some days it's a you know, a couple of times a day situation. Sure, but, depending on what you eat, probably. Yeah, but for the most part, I mean, every like couple of days, I'll go drop a hammer and be done with it. Sure. As I've become more regular with my diet, my bowel movements have been more regular. Yep. I'm also very fast at shitting. Yeah, you are. That's wild. You just get in, get out. My yep. cousin Connor's that same way. I'm not that way. I'm not as quick as you, but no, nope. mine's somewhere in the middle. I can, I can take my time. If it's more than like six, seven minutes though, I got a problem. Well, or, I just don't like sitting in my scent of my yeah, shit. Sure. So I'm, I'm in there and as soon as I'm done, it's like three minute process and I get out of dodge. Get out. Yeah. I don't mind it. One of my favorite things to do in life is to smell, smell my <laughs> shit is to sit in a porta shitter and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it is, is not. So good, dude. Especially in the summer when it's a hundred fucking, fucking degrees. You got a fucking cocktail, man. You got a cocktail of humanity underneath this you. And you're smoking a dirt. This dude's in there huffing jankum. <laughs> the, the dog days of summer, smoking a dart. Fucking Janko. stinks outside right now. It dude. smells like shit out too. It's so right bad. Oh my god. I'm really in the moment. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so bad. That cattle farm is brutal. Fuck. Oh my god. You can literally taste wow. it. Wow. What fucking perfect timing. <laughs> Keith is in heaven right now. Oh, yeah, I just need a cigarette, bro. Oh. Just get me a smoke. Be a dirt. I'm not kidding. It's fu- well, yeah, I can't I can't smoke and shit anywhere else other than in a porta shitter. So I'm not kidding. Smoking and shitting to, is so great. He's about to tell us how freeing it is again, just like shitting in the woods. Yeah, Dude, that's it's, why it's the like, same thing. Because you can smoke outside. I that's can why. smoke in a porta shitter and take a shit at the same time. It's the best. It's oh the best. I can't, God. literally, I can't shit and smoke that, anywhere else. I'm sorry. That is diabolical. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the simple things in life, man. Just, <laughs> where's our fucking foreman at? Oh, he's uh, smoking shitter. a dart on the shitter. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, you see, seen smoke coming out of the see, shitter? You see the chimney on the shitter there? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> if you drop a rock in there, you're going to hit a hand Give him 20 cigarette. minutes. He's probably trying to chief down three of them. <laughs> Oh uh, my god. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore, but I did really enjoy that. I'm not gonna lie. Straight <laughs> up. <laughs> especially especially a clean shitter. I mean, on job sites they clean them usually every couple of days. Keith, I will say this. Mm-hmm. Nicotine is a huge, huge diuretic. So yeah. that always helps me. So in the mornings yeah, right. when I like I'll be like getting up to go shower or whatever. Mm-hmm. Pop is in. Pop is in and it comes out so quickly. Yep. Yep. That's it's the best there. part about it. That's what I'm talking about. Speed check. I think that's why it makes it uh, a little bit easier. Definitely makes it easier. Uh, and that's why I like smoking cigarettes. Like, But now I have this thing so I can just smoke and sit on the yep. toilet yep. anywhere. You know? So the vape's been nice for that. <laughs> also, it became be a nice palm all black on a shitter, you know? The, uh, <laughs> no. No, it would have been a this reds, pal. Also, fucking uh, the job site that I'm at now actually has bathrooms, so that's fucking glorious. It's amazing. 
That was the old me who liked yeah, smoking cigarettes. Yeah, I tried to avoid shitter. shitters like that as as much porta shitters as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're never really good. That's like I kind of trained my body to in certain situations, certain situations to not have to like pee or shit. Yeah, I'm pretty good like at sporting older. events. Yeah, I've never oh, yeah. once had the urge to pee, no matter how much I've drank water throughout. Right. Or even school. I don't think I ever used the school bathroom once. Really, that's impressive. I never shit in the school bathrooms. That's for well, sure. yeah, because you know you're sitting there, and then some kids come in there lighting up fucking cigarettes. <laughs> Not cigarettes, but they're smoking vapes. Yeah, throwing yeah. stink bombs in the yeah. ventilation. <laughs> no, I had no problems shitting where I needed to shit. There's actually pictures of me from high school sitting on the on the toilet, like our shop bathroom. Like there's no stall; it's just a toilet and a room. And I don't think you could lock the door. So my buddy Jaden Wagner would always take a picture of me whenever I was taking a shit in there. <laughs> classic, classic Jaden Wagner photo. That's the first Casey's I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it means we're home. I'm surprised they don't have any out in Colorado. But I guess 7-Eleven is kind of their Casey's. That's what, that's what uh, C and I were talking about. So Casey's, their headquarters is in Iowa. Yep. And so they just don't go that far. Yeah. There's no need for them, though. Mm-mm. But it's weird because you get up to, like, Chicago, and you get both Casey's and 7-Eleven. Yeah, for a little while. In in Chicago, I don't think they have Casey's. No, it's just 7-Elevens, like, yeah. in the city. 7-Elevens are fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. They have these sweet chili wings. Oh, they're so fucking good. I did get the worst slice of pizza in my life at a 7-Eleven in Chicago. Though. Oh, yeah? It was, and I, mind you, I am three sheets to the wind. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wow, this pizza is going to slap, of course. So right. I'm eating it on the way back, like we're walking back to our little condo. And I got back, and I got two slices. I looked at the second one, and I'm like, there is no shot in hell that I'm going to eat that. It was that bad. Damn. I'm like just like sitting in the warmer. Just too long yeah, or like like it was in the warmer all day. You get yeah. the crunchy cheese on there, just, but it's not because oh, they cooked it too no, long. It's it just was, been under the heater yes, for too long. It was just like stale, disgusting. Some of the worst pizza I've ever had was in that Gotham bar that replaced JJ's in the basement down the Haymarket. Oh yeah, they had pizza in their warmer from it was a college game day. We went down there afterwards and had to been sitting there all day. Ugh, it was awful. So bad. So bad. At that point, just like, just give me some cold pizza. And yeah, I right. I don't even like cold pizza, but really? if it's like room temperature and it's been sitting like that, that's that's. It's like when you had like third uh, third lunch or something in high school. Oh god! So like, did your so in your high school did it, was it like you had different like groups go to lunch during the same period? So like one group, it's like as soon as that uh, the bell rang at the end of like second period, you could go to lunch. And then, like, 30 minutes later, then you would leave class and then go to lunch. But then the first group would go to their next class. I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. Because uh, that's how ours was. So, like, the first one, you'd get all the fresh shit. Yeah. And so, like, you could go to, like, this creation station or whatever. So, you could, like, make your own, like, pasta, like, dish or whatever. Whatever their special thing was that day. Or, like, get Crispitos that were fresh. Those things fucked so hard. Those yeah. are so good. But, yeah. So, then if you had, like, second lunch, it was all right. Because they still were kind of using the shit they made at the start. Yep. And so it wasn't as good, but it wasn't, like, horrible. I think yep. it was, like, the if you got the fourth one. 
that's when you were like eating the old shit. It was like, I think it was the third one. It's when they brought like halfway through the third one, they'd bring out the new shit. No, it was the third one. Cause if, if you got like, if you got to the third one first, they would still be using the dregs of the first lunch shit. So it was mm. like colder mm. and like the, like, you know, the cheese had that skin on top and it's like, uh, yeah, reckon I won't be getting that today. No. But then if you got like fifth lunch, same thing, they would just be throwing whatever the fuck they had left. And you might not get what you wanted, like pizza or whatever, because they literally would just run out yeah. of things too. And it's just like, or you have the like, fuck? or you have the one crunchy cheese slice that's left on the tray. It's so gross. I can't remember if we, so we either broke it down into one lunch period. Cause I remember in high school, we ate with elementary kids. So elementary kids were on the one side of the cafeteria and in high school, yeah. we were on the other side of the cafeteria, but I don't remember eating with like the junior high. But we may have, we may have had the entire school in our lunchroom, maybe for lunch. Well, yeah, I guess it's also a huge difference because we had a couple we had thousand, thousand people yeah, right, that exactly. had to go. Right, exactly. Because so it was all four grades. For us, it was either one or two lunches and they were back to back. And even then. I want to say it was one lunch for everyone, but I can't remember. It's been so long. Well, because the only way it evened out is because like senior, like senior year, you could go. You could actually go and get campus. you could leave campus and go get yeah, lunch. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then basically it was just juniors, sophomores, and freshmen or seniors who didn't want to go get fast food that day. Yeah. But even then, it was like a zoo in there. Right. As a I, junior, couldn't you leave though? I couldn't remember. No, you have to. You had to be a senior because oh, okay. you could have open block senior year too. Oh, that's right. Open yeah. block, you didn't. You could just leave school. Even if Winside had that, we couldn't have gone anywhere. Yeah. There's nowhere to go eat. But. No, I can't remember whether it was one or two. So we, I mean, our, I mean, school lunches, I fucked with, I fucked with all of our school lunches. Ours they were pretty, pretty decent. Yeah. I remember always fucking taking people's food. Not like, I mean, people would give me their food. Well, yeah. They wouldn't want it. Give me your lunch fucking, money. I would eat all of that shit. Well, yeah. Cause for us, you had to take, back then. you had to take a milk and yep. a fruit. Yep. And then whole grain. So then, yeah. So then there'd just be like hella apples that nobody would eat because yeah. they would just be the quickest thing you just grab throw on your tray mm-hmm. i remember when Winside introduced the salad line so you could pick between a hot lunch or the salad bar yep and uh i mean that got introduced when i was maybe like an eighth grader or freshman or something whenever miss obama you know made all them changes sounds about right yeah so then we got a salad bar and that was actually that slapped pretty good you could it was a buffet style bar you could put as much lettuce and yep toppings as you wanted on it and there are things like fruits and vegetables and all that kind of stuff that was pretty good so even if it was like i'm trying to think what our worst lunch was i can't even tell you because i honestly liked them all so but even if it was like a bad hot lunch you could always resort to getting a salad it was pretty good well there were some psychopaths in ours we had this place called like a sea store mm-hmm. oh god and people would legitimately go in there and get an ice cream cone and like an uncrustable, and that that would be their lunch like every a, day, or like a bag of chips. Yeah, yeah that'd Some be their lunch cream. every day. Yeah, and it would obviously their parents are paying for it. So instead of their parents paying like a couple bucks or like a buck for your school lunch, they'd be paying like four or five for an ice cream cone and a uncrustable. It's <laughs> bad. Yeah, I can't even think of the worst school lunch. I don't that, know. Like, Some of the pasta dishes were honestly ass. Yeah, we had like some goulash that you had to like drown in ranch yeah. for it to be good. I don't think we had anything like that. Ours was pretty good because we had the same situation where you could kind of just turn your fucking, like if you even got like one of those like 
burger patties that wasn't hamburger meat. Like the shitty like hamburger that yeah. you could get. Yeah. Like if you fucking put some lettuce and toppings on yeah, it, it made it on some ranch. Yeah, you made, it made it all right. I literally just drowned everything in ranch in high school. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah, like the Crispitos were definitely the best. Those were those things pretty fucked. Trying to remember what our best was. Our pizzas were hit and miss because they would change yep. it all the time. It'd be like a frozen pizza that they'd get, or then like uh, they would home make some pizza on you just like square a piece of or toast. circle. Well, squares sometimes, sometimes slices, and then sometimes they'd make like a like a sub, like the bottom bun of a sub Full bread, yeah. Yeah. and they put like you know marinara and cheese and shit on that. And then sometimes they would actually just take like a loaf of bread style bread, just square bread, yeah. And then make homemade pizza that way too. And then sometimes I remember it was like the the slices were really fucking nasty. They were like the pizza that was in the warmer for too long. So our slices were usually pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, like like Austin was saying, if you get to like third lunch though, and they still got like some old pizzas out, it's like, ah. Uh, yeah, Because no then you could see them making the new ones, but you can't tell them to. And you can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, right. So like, like, just grab one of those. And I'm like, no, no. bitch, I want the good one. <laughs> I remember one thing that was that our seniors could do was go back for seconds. It's 50 cents and go back for seconds. Oh, you know what? Mini corn dogs may have been the best ones we Dude, had. Dude. I fucked with our mini old, corn dogs. Hold on. Yeah. Mini corn dogs from Runza. I don't know. Dude, yes. Listen up. Any, oh, if yeah. any Runza person hears this, if we put this on anywhere. Yeah, fucking bring back the corn dogs. I know it's so sad that they're gone. They got their so popcorn chicken good. yet? I yeah, don't give I a fuck it. about the popcorn chicken. Their popcorn chicken is not very good. <sighs> it's all right, dude. But their mini corn dogs those, yeah, those were so yeah. good. Dude, with you the could ranch, get, you could get like yeah, with the ranch or the honey mustard. How many fuck. was it? Like ten or twelve of them or something? It was like that? ten. I would just yeah, get a ten and then a double cheeseburger. Get ten. I think there's a medium and a. I think there's like a snack size. Yeah, and there's, there's a, a meal. There's like yeah. a four. Yeah, it was like it was Make four and eight initially. Menu. Yeah, I think it went to like that. six and twelve. But it was actually pretty fucking filling. Yeah, dude, you get that in a burger. They're like actually deep fat fried. Yep. Oh, they're so very good. fucking good. Mm-hmm. They're always like really crispy on the outside. Oh god, that's so frustrating. It was during COVID. They they're like, yeah, there's a there's a corn dog shortage. I'm like, what? We can't make- <laughs> What do you mean? There aren't, there aren't that many corn dogs being, uh, yeah, being produced, being slaughtered. No, yeah, not enough dogs left. Not enough corn dogs around to butcher. I'm like, I know it's not hard to make hot dogs, and second, we live in the state that produces the most corn of all of the states, next oh, to Iowa, maybe. But their corn sucks, cock. That's so. right. One thing, the one fast food item that really irked me was Taco Bell taking getting rid of the quesarito. That that, that pissed fucked. me off. I mean, they still have it, but you have to order it online. Yeah, but that's so dumb. It is annoying. Because I remember in high school, you could get the five-buck box. This is what I'd get for, like, lunch at least once a week. Five-buck box, you get a large Baja Blast, add an extra back or something, and you get a quesarito, which is already a fat burrito. Yep, yep. And then you got a, Dorit- a Doritos Locos taco, I think. Yep. And then you got a normal taco. For five, for five bucks. You can get a steak one or a chicken, whatever. And you now want. you know how much a quesarito is by itself. About five dollars. Yeah. If I if I want to add like something to it, it's five bucks. And on the box, you could have a chance at winning an Xbox. 
Have you guys had the grilled cheese burrito from Taco Bell? Yes. Those That's, things are so hit and miss for me. Those are fat. They're there's something about good. there's something about that brown paper they put in there. You know, I'm t- so, yeah. so it doesn't stick. Like stick. It. It's yeah. a little off. Wax paper. It's a little off-putting to me. Really? Why? Just how wet it looks. What do you oh, feel it greasy? off? Yeah. yeah. It's like all the cheese that's on the outside. I know. Uh-huh. I understand. I'll eat it anyways. But yeah, right. There's something a little bit. It's like man, those things just stock off the factory line are fucking good. They're huge. You add though. a little extra sour cream. Get the spicy one. I haven't tried the spicy oh, one. Oh, dude, game changer. Really. But I'm I'm a big spice fan. So. Yeah, I'm I'm an intermediate spice fan. I like it when I'm in the mood. But the only difference is they have jalapenos in there, and then uh, it's like the hot Fritos. Ah. Otherwise, I'm like, it's it's not super spicy. They're not Fritos anymore, man. They're corn chips. Oh, but other than <laughs> well, they're they're hot Fritos. That's what's in it. <laughs> other than that, on the Taco Bell menu, you have to like add stuff to yeah. each burrito to make it fucking delicious. That. Yep. That uh, grilled will, cheese burrito is bone stock delicious. There's a, I forgot what it's called. There's like a Chipotle chicken burrito. It's like $2 on the $2 menu. Oh, that one is good That too. thing bangs. Oh, yeah. Dude, and then there's, little, then there's another, yeah, the beefy value menu is pretty Beefy Frito good. burrito. Yeah, but it, they don't call it that. It's like a fucking, you know, because they don't have the Frito advertising. Oh, the five-layer burrito. Or whatever that it is. When they, when they were still with Frito, that was the best one. That and the mm-hmm. quesarito. You get like one of each or two of each if you're really hungry. I'd get me a fucking steak quesadilla. Get me two burritos that are two bucks each. Now, talk about breakfast is a whole nother game. Those fuck as well. Dude. Dude. But you're really gambling with your butthole at that point, though. I haven't had too much of that issue. Having nacho cheese on my eggs at 6 a.m. So fucking I felt like a psychopath, but I was like, damn. Yeah, when we used to do the uh, power wash all their drive-thrus, I'd go in and half the time they would just give me my breakfast for free. Yeah. So I'd, I'd always go in there and try, uh, but regardless, I'm like, I'm going to pay whatever it is because yeah, I right. know this shit smacks and so I've been good. up since 2.30. So yeah, give me that. They have their, uh, the hash brown burrito. It's got the hash brown in the middle. Yeah. The hash brown Not plank in there. Eggs and sausage. I don't oh. think I ever tried that one. That, that one's, one's so good. good. I always got I'm the go sausage to. and egg one though. Got with the, the nacho cheese on it. Their crunch wrap. Yeah, they got the crunch wrap. Yeah, so oh, say the tostada, it's the hash brown. Yeah, it's so fucking wet. I always got the savory stuff. I never tried the mm-hmm. other things. BK also has very good breakfast. Cine minis, dude. Mm. You ever had cine minis? I don't think so. They're like little Cinnabons. They're, just okay. like, they're like this big. Yeah. Like quarter size almost. Yeah. Oh my God. Anytime. From BK? I, yeah, anytime I was going to be late for school, yeah. my dad would. He's like, well, fuck, we might as well go to Burger King. Do you want some cinnamon minis? I'm like, yes. Absolutely. I show up late with my Burger King bag and cinnamon rolls. Their eggnormous burrito. I BK. will say Burger King's breakfast is top two and it ain't number two for me. They got some yeah. good shit. Burger King's breakfast, eggnormous burrito, even their breakfast sandwiches are just so much fresher yeah. than like. And they give you the McDonald's. fucking little like uh, potato lays, but they're not seasoned like that. Yeah, the right. little. Hash brown potato rounds, whatever you want to yeah. call them. Mm-hmm. I prefer that way more than the uh, like the big hash browns. Yep, I like little ones. Like the Don't McDonald's get me wrong. style. A McDonald's, yeah. you know, hash brown patty, fucking slaps. That shit's fucking good. I didn't know you could buy them until like six months ago. Really? Yeah, they're fucking good. And you just throw them in the air fryer, and mm-hmm. then yeah, when I make crunch wraps, I buy patties like that. Breakfast crunch wraps. That's one food that I really like to make is crunch wraps. Yeah. And things are fucking delicious. Fucking fast food, man. I will say, I can't, like, I can't eat it like I used to back in the day. Oh. No. 
Like all. there was a time there where I could definitely go like every day and just get fast food. But then like you take like a two week hiatus from it and you save so much money and then you try to eat it again. It's like, ugh. you feel like shit within an hour. Awful. Well, it's yeah, like yeah. the like breakfast pizza from Casey's. Mm-hmm. Like I would get a slice almost every morning when I was yeah. filling up the truck. I would just run in there, grab a slice, run back out with like a like an energy drink or something. And then I didn't get one for like two weeks and I grabbed one and I was like, oh my God. Like it was still all right, but it wasn't like what I remembered. Right. Well, the it well, also depends the big driver where you go. for me. I mean, whenever I eat fast food nowadays, it's like it's fucking delicious. Don't get me wrong, but then I feel like absolute dog shit up. within yeah. an hour. I feel so bad. After yeah, me. within an hour, I'm just like groggy. My stomach's upset. I just feel like yuck, like gross. Yep. I mean, that's McDonald's. That's fucking. Canes, that's I mean Canes isn't as bad. Yeah, I was gonna say Canes, I, I usually feel all right. It's just so many carbs. Yeah, it's like so get full. extra bread. Yeah, so filling all the fries. I just love their lemonade. The mm. lemonade is dank. Very good. Also, I was a big lemonade guy my entire life. Like when I was a kid, that was like yeah. all I would drink is lemonade. Mm-hmm. I was a big tea kid. I, I like Canes tea. My mom always made sun tea. When Do you like children. some tea? I wish I was a tea guy. I yeah. can't get in. I can't subscribe to it. Yeah, I like tea quite a bit. Like that and coffee, I just can't. I've tried them. Mm-hmm. I've tried to like them. I love the smell of coffee. Like freshly brewed coffee in the morning. It smells oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then I drink it and I'm like, oh, it is just hot bean water that I don't like. Yeah, yeah that's, that's literally all it tastes like. I love coffee. Love the taste of it, but the same thing there makes me feel like shit within the hour. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it doesn't make me feel good. So, like, that's why I do energy drinks, well, Celsius, because uh, it feels so much cleaner and I don't feel like shit from it. That's why when I buy a, a canned energy drink now, I get try and get the, like, rowdy ones. Yeah, you like those rowdy ones. Well, it's a green tea yeah. energy or whatever. And for mm-hmm. some reason, for me, it just makes, like, a monster just kills me when it's done. Yeah. Like when I drink it, and then like an hour later, I just feel like death. But those well, ones, it's actually, like I feel all right. That's the same thing with the Celsius for me. I mean, like drinking like a, like a monster, you can just it's just so sugary. Unless you get the you get the sugar free ones. But even then, yeah. With the sugar free ones, I feel fine. Yeah, the Celsius are the only ones I've ever had that I really yeah I actually really like enjoy. Them. Yeah. But even then, I I really don't drink them that much. And then if I go like a week or two without it, like this one is probably going to fuck me up. Really? Oh, yeah. And then in a couple hours, I'm going to get sweaty. Yeah. A little anxious. Yeah. And then I'm just going to get really tired again. I can't wait for that to be recorded, then. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fucking. The powder of Celsius is definitely the way to go in my yeah. head. Yeah. So that's, that's really nice. I do one of those every morning. And that's I, what I do too. Before I try to time it. You know, I learned this from Andrew Huberman's podcast. You want to wait, you know, an hour. So 60 to 90 minutes after you wake up to put any caffeine in your system because of the way caffeine works. Um, your adenosine receptors. Yeah. It just gums them up. So it doesn't allow the you know, uh, message to go through. And so it actually just keeps that uh, adenosine in there. And so what you want to do is wait an hour to hour and a half for that adenosine to deplete. And so then you don't have to uh, go through and deplete it later in the afternoon once that caffeine wears off. That's what causes the two o'clock, you know, grogginess. 
crash because you're yeah. basically just putting it off at that you're point. just putting it off just like a hangover and so if you allow your denison to deplete and then put your caffeine on board then you're just getting the stimulant but also you don't want to put you know like those celsius have what 200 milligrams of caffeine in it that's yeah, a lot you don't want to put 200 milligrams of caffeine into your system within an instant so then i start drinking it you know right around eight o'clock um depending on what time i got up you know you know, an hour, an hour and a half after I wake up. And then I just take it and sip on it until about 11 o'clock. You know, so I span it out and I'm only getting, you know, probably 20 milligrams, 30 milligrams of caffeine every 20 minutes or so. And then I don't have any anxiety from it. I don't have any of the elevated heart rate. You just kind of get in that cognitive stimulant. And it works pretty nicely. Then I also don't have that two o'clock crash because I still have some caffeine on board from 11 o'clock when I took my last few sips. Works right. pretty nice. Because it's crazy, the half life is something like four hours. Is how long it lasts? Yeah, that's like the half life of it. That's why people say you're not supposed to take it after, like in the afternoon, because mm -hmm. it'll still mess with your sleep. sleep. If you go to bed at nine or ten, yeah, and you have even, one at five, yeah, even if it's four or five hours later, half of that is still in your body trying to right. dissolve essentially. Right. I think it's usually so there for a while is trying to combat the two o'clock slump. With more caffeine. Oh, God. At lunch. Right. So I'd have, you know, my caffeine in the morning and then I'd have caffeine at lunch. So it's 200 milligrams in the morning within an hour or two. You know, I'd down the whole thing within an hour or two, you know, because this was before I learned that information from yeah. that podcast. And so I, you know, open my caffeine right away in the morning as I was leaving the house. And then, you know, I'd be getting tired at two o'clock. So I was like, oh, I'll just add more caffeine at, you know, at noon. And that'll get me through that two out two o'clock, but then it would fuck with me going to bed. Right, right. Yeah. So then I listened to that podcast and I was like, oh my God, this makes so much fucking sense. Yep. Put off your caffeine intake, let your dentistine deplete. And, uh, then I was good and slow your intake. Yep. And then I was good. Make it last a little bit. So then I stopped drinking at 11. I'm good by like six or seven. And then I also do a lot of carb load for supper because mm -hmm. the carbs help you fall asleep. So then 9.30, I'm fucking exhausted. It's a good routine, though. Yeah, it works pretty good. It's fucking raining. Mm -hmm. Sleep is like one of the number one things that you need to master. It's so fucking vital. Listen to a couple podcasts about sleep. I'm like, holy shit, I can't even relay the information that I learned. But I, all I know that I learned is that trying to figure out how to master your sleep routine will change so many aspects of your life. Dr drastically dramatically oh, yeah. i i should go back and re-listen to those start taking notes that's why like i don't understand how people can get five six hours and be fine it's uh i i will plan out like what i'm doing so i can get a full eight hours or right at least for close sure. to it me too and i mean the number one part of that is i mean trying to get you know your full eight hours but also waking up at the same time yep. every day doesn't really matter as much trying to go to bed at the same time other than trying to get the same amount of sleep right just having a consistent routine i need to go re-listen to those and take notes try to remember that a little bit better but it's crazy man because that's that's where you're your mind is like actually processing your day and putting things into storage and categorizing things that could be useful to use and remember and things that it needs to just, you know, disregard. It's where your body's recovering. 
All of your cerebrospinal fluid as well has all been flushed out and it essentially circulates throughout your body. Right. And it replenishes itself. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with your, all your body. I mean, that's when your muscles are recovering and your body actually gets to rest. And so for an optimal human sleep is number one. That's why you can only go a few days. Yeah. Right. If that, and then you just at, at best. You're just going to pass out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's about it. And at worst, you fucking literally go delusional. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, at worst, you die. You can die from it. You can, yeah. Yeah, most of the time, you're just going to fall asleep. Yeah. And it's crazy because the studies they've done on it, they've had people stay awake for three, four, five days. Mm-hmm. And then every single time, no matter what, they're like, what happens is they pass out. Like once we're finally done with the test or whatever. They wake up about 12 hours later and there's no side effects. They're like, as, as soon as they get that rest, they're just back to they're normal. good. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, if you don't get it, you could quite literally die. Yeah. It can fuck you up badly. It's so good. But, but it's so individual for, for people. I mean, it's just like everything else. Yeah. Everything is to that person, you know? So it's something that if you want to like master, you kind of have to know like the basics of sleep which I can't explain what those are. I need to go re-listen to that podcast. Like I said, well, there's multiple podcasts, but re-listen to them. Get the basics of sleep and understanding of how it works. And then you have to pay attention to your own individual needs and what feels good and what doesn't. Yeah. For me so far, I've realized it's like seven and a half hours is like prime. Yep. Mine's like seven, seven and a half. Yeah. So I started to watch my sleep when I could. And the best time to wake up is when you naturally wake up. So that was right around seven and a half hours for me. Um, But then also like for me to get good sleep, I have to have like a half a glass of water right before I go to bed. I always drink water before I go to bed. Uh, And then I actually have to allow myself to like wind down for like 20 minutes, which is usually like reading or just lying there some nights. Uh, And I have to have all the lights off completely stuff like that and yeah. light plays a massive part into it into good sleep if you get a lot of bright lights later in the day can affect how you sleep how deep you can sleep yep especially lots of blue light and stuff like that too mm, all the lights even apparently according to huberman like actually watching the sunset like uh, can reset your circadian rhythms mm. uh, and that helps a lot with sleep if you get a lot of low level so like low the way he explains it is that the sunlight has to be lower in the sky if you get a you know i think he says like 10 to 30 minutes of that yeah every night uh it's super beneficial for deep sleep i was like damn that's fucking dope because that's literally what i fucking do that's what i do i've been doing that for years and i've always been able to sleep really well but now i'm just trying to fine tune my sleep that would be good I'm sure this trip really helped it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, well, sleeping on that bed, dude. dude that shit sucked. That bed was brutal. When we're done key, 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 and then laughing like yeah. fucking idiots. It was like, I think I woke up every two hours on the hour. Because one of us would there. move on that fucking thing, mm-hmm. and a bar would just hit you right in the spine. Yep. <laughs> you could feel every little bar yeah. spring. And then on top of that, the bed was like, it was angled angle it was angled towards the, yeah, yeah towards the 
So your head Back was the, the lowest yeah. of your body. Oh, God. It fucking sucks. And you had to stack multiple pillows just yeah. to try and, So like, then your neck's cranked. Yeah. So my neck is sore as fuck. I was debating putting my feet, face by your feet. I was thinking the exact same. We should have fucking talked about it. We should have talked about it. I was going to say, why didn't you just flip it around? <laughs> we didn't discuss it, man. We should have. I, I would have the first night. If yep. I have to well, sleep I didn't with realize like a thick it. pillow. I didn't realize it the first night. It didn't seem that bad. No. But I think what happened is that mattress slid on us. I think, I think it did the same thing. Yeah. Well, well, it's because the, the back cushions where you normally sit on the couch part, they slid into the... Yeah, down in into between the... And pushed it even further out right. to give it that steeper of an angle. Because, uh-huh. yeah, that was that was dog shit. Yeah. I mean, I was... I like, even after, up. like, fucking six beers or whatever, it's just like, man, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also... Smoking, shit. smoking or intaking THC doesn't allow you to reach REM sleep. So there's no REM sleep had this weekend. See, that's why I, I did pretty well. I didn't really smoke before we went straight to bed at any time. Mm-hmm. So I actually felt really, really good every morning I woke up for the most part. The third yeah, day, felt, no, but that was just based on what I was doing the prior two days. Yeah, the activities, right? That's yeah. the only thing that I struggled with. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think I drank too much or anything like that to no. wake up feeling like shit. It's just physical, yeah, strictly physical from being active. And it's insane Sore. how much better I feel when I smoke versus when I drink a lot. Oh yeah, I mean, it's night and day. Like even this morning, like I didn't drink a hell of a lot last night, but. You could feel it. Yeah, way more than the other days where I had maybe one or two days. Definitely had more last night than any of the other nights. Yep. Same here, man. <laughs> you said, what, eight beers a night? Uh, Average? Really? Is what it I think so. Some around there, because what we had... Shit. Because what we had, the 24-pack of Coors Light, and then the 16... or 18. 18 of bottles. Banquets. So uh, that's 42 beers, but it hits you so much quicker up there. It's like about, I think it's like six to eight get ish, but it wasn't like I was drinking them in like a two hour span. It'd been like six hours. Yeah, like the whole night. Then last night we ran out of beers and then that basil Hayden. I mean, we were pretty close to polishing off that bottle, but I mean, and we got the Buffalo Trace one down too. Yep. But that was good. That was good stuff. But we were, you know, spacing that basil hayden out from the morning, literally, <laughs> yeah. throughout the day on the slopes. <laughs> and then in the afternoon. Nothing hit quite like that jack fire at the top of the mountain, though. Disgusting. Oh, oh nothing hit like rolling around in the snow. Dude, that straight <laughs> up slap, bro. That was I'm nuts. so happy you guys came out and went swimming that night. Dude, but then as soon as I got inside, I was like, I feel really good. Both of my Fuck fucking yeah. ankles, I could barely walk on that morning. When, when I went to go get my money back for that lift. Like, I, my ankles just hurt. Yeah. When, when I fucking wiped out trying to go toe side on the blue that we did. Yeah. I wiped out so hard because my fucking uh, ratchet slipped. And both of them are just screaming that morning. And then as soon as I, like, got out of the pool to run to the sauna, I just was sprinting. <laughs> Didn't feel anything. Didn't feel nothing. That during, during the transition periods between. So we went sauna, jumped in the snow, and then jumped into the heated pool. During that, the whole time we were doing that, I felt fucking amazing. Yeah. Like when we were sitting in the sauna, I'm like, I don't feel any of the pain. I I didn't feel any of it. And I'm sure like that helped a lot with 
recovering from all the physical activity we've been doing. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why people do ice baths and sauna and cause it, it's so good for recovery. I was really hoping that hot tub would be working because then we could do pool the hot tub, pool the hot tub, that would be nasty. <coughs> Have you ever done the snow and then jumping in the hot tub? No, but I bet it'd be amazing. Uh, yes and no. Yeah, burn. It, it literally feels like your skin's on fire. Yeah, I bet it hurts. It's like lot. everything's tingling. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. But once you finally get into it, it does feel really good. But yeah, that initial is like, oh my God. And you can't do anything about it. Because yeah, if you jump right. back in the snow, it's just as bad. Dude, the snow the first time burned. Oh, yeah. The oh, first yeah. the first go into the snow burns. Literally burned. It didn't feel good at all. And my, like, oh, fuck. my back was all tingly. Yeah. My feet hurt. But then once I was in the pool, that pool was so warm after being in the snow, it was so nice. We're all just cackling like little kids, screaming and <laughs> hollering. Oh, so good, dude. That was a ton of fun. One of the more wholesome trips I've gone on. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it was just a really good group, too. I think so, too. It's fun. We all got along really well. Yeah. Solid fucking friends you got there, Nate. It's, uh, it's fun to bring everybody together, too. Yeah, right. So I was like, I want... Keith and Austin to come, especially after Red Lion when you didn't really talk to Mitch at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm I'm telling you, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, dude, Mitch is the shit, man. Him and I got along. Really oh yeah, well. Mitch goes. Uh, he goes. <laughs> he goes. Uh, man, oh, it was when you guys were sitting there on the bed of your truck when I came to come pick you guys up. Yeah, when we were talking. Yeah, we he had goes conversation. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, he goes, man, that dude Keith, he loves deep conversations. I go, yeah, he does them every day with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, fuck, man. I never get to do that. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's literally how we started the conversation off, too, was talking about liking deep conversations. And he said that he liked them, too. Yeah. Like, oh. Then he brought up introversion and extroversion. And that just snowballed everything. We got all the way into the topic of death. And it was fucking good, man. It was a really good conversation. <laughs> yeah. Mitch and I were pretty similar in a lot of regards, it seemed like. Yep. I liked him a lot. He's, he is very, very extroverted. He always yeah. has been. Yeah, he seems like it. He also seems, oh, well, what is he, 26? Yeah. He's like super calm. Yeah. And he's kind of like. Which is required what he does for a job, though. Yeah. For yeah, the right. Most part. Emotionally intelligent. Seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was nice talking with him, you know, just normally just was kind of calm in his tone and everything. Yeah. Cool. And he, he pretty much is for the most part. Yeah. It seems like it. And I and just then, bring in stupid comments. And so. then we'd get on the mountain and we would just fucking shred. He's and fucking just, insane. Some days I do think he has a fucking death wish. Dude, him and I were just fucking hauling ass down those blues. I wish you guys could have seen it. It was insane, man. Oh, no, I saw it. I right before I fell, I could see it really, really well. Just, just fucking, fucking bombing, dude. That's why I'm glad that you came, too, because I'm like, oh, well, Keith can ride, so Mitch will have somebody to go fucking crazy with. Yeah, I hadn't ridden like that ever, though. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was new to me, but I'm surprised I didn't hurt myself more, honestly, because I was keeping right up with fucking <laughs> Mitch, and we were bombing there the first the first time that we got to branch off and go just hit some of those blues. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was doing the whole, oh, fuck, I'm scared. Oh, fuck, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> fucking no, cooking. Not not really, though, because 
when you're going that fast, you don't have time to think like that. It's just like, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're doing the right thing. Yep, exactly. Well, you just want, it's more of a flow, you're in the flow state. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. more of a flow. And that's, that's what I like about, uh, snowboarding and like mountain biking. Like you don't have time to actually think about any of it. You just have to be in it and go. And it's so nice. It takes you out of everything else because you're all of your attention is focused on, on what you're doing in that moment. That's why I like, so good. that's why I like so baseball amazing. quite a bit Yeah, when you're batting. Yeah. I don't know if you felt the same way, Nate, when you played, but like when you're in the box, like when you're walking up, you can think whatever the fuck you want to think about. But as soon as you step in the box, it's like, all right, that's out the window. Now I got to figure out the fuck I'm doing. It's you in the picture. Mm. That's it. Whereas more like in team sports or whatever, you have to worry about like what everybody else is doing. Yeah. And like keep track of like tabs on what everybody else is doing. Whereas yeah, in that yeah. one, it's literally just like. Nothing happens unless you hit the ball somewhere. That's why I liked pitching, especially when I was doing really well. It was like, I wouldn't think about anything. But then once I started doing bad, it would start getting in my head. That kind of thing. See, now I never experienced that when I played baseball or even like basketball or any of those sports like that. Maybe a little bit in volleyball, not really. But it's more like those quick, active, like, like snowboarding and mountain biking are the two that I've really found that flow state in. Yeah. For me personally, because it's like, if you're not in that, then you're fucking injuring yourself really right. badly. Well, that's kind of like UFC fighters. They all say like, whenever somebody has like an extremely good, like performance, especially when like they're on the feet, like mm -hmm. striking with each other. Mm -hmm. Cause like, if you fuck up, if you go to the right at the wrong time, yeah, right. Crack. Now you're unconscious yeah, and you've changed forever. Out. Yeah. You're not like out. dire circumstances. If yeah, you fuck right, that up. Right. So then it's like some guys just go into this state where they're just like matrixing shit. Right. It's like, how is he doing that? He doesn't even no. know. And then after the fight he's like, I don't know what the fuck is going on yeah. out there. It's right. muscle memory at that point mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. They've done Those it dudes so are fucking times. savages. That's why I love UFC. Cause it's like so fucking wild. Never really got into UFC. It's, it's funny. Well, one of the biggest things for me is like the story of it. Like I like stories about things. Yeah. Like when it comes to sports, especially. So like you could have a guy who's like, you know, a crazy Russian who wrestles and smashes everybody like could be Nurmagomedov. And then you also have like a Conor McGregor who's like this flashy, fiery Irishman who's just a psychopath, but he's also nuts. Yeah. And a completely different fast. He's just a nasty striker, but like, you know, there's so many different ways to win it. And there's so many different like storylines that could be made from it. But still at the end of the day, they're having a fist fight in their underwear in a cage. Yeah, right. See, now I never got into UFC, you know, when I first started watching it, it was back in college in my stoner days. And this was all like peace and love, Keith, right? Yeah. And so like I never understood the concept of like getting entertainment out of two guys beating the shit out of each other. I just thought it was brutal and 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 gory and i couldn't stomach it See, but the, now that i've me, gotten older yeah, and yeah. i've learned more about it and the art of that's the yes that's exactly what it is yeah, it's more or less art, like yeah. watching mm -hmm. two masters at work yeah right who i love that are art. able to use like mm -hmm. again like you wouldn't know him but khabib Nurmagomedov is like perhaps the greatest of all i know time. yeah i know and khabib. all he does was he when all he right. grabs you yeah you, you get, can't go you anywhere on the ground and then he just beats the fuck out of you and you can't move he's nasty but then yeah but then you have a guy like uh Conor McGregor yeah. when he was, he was in his prime and he would just wait for you to make one mistake yep. and he popped you capitalize on and it. then you're done yeah. your lights are fucking out or then there's like and that's just because they're masters out of yes, they're, they're just masters it, and they've an trained every, like there's a video when Conor McGregor beats Jose Aldo 
And Jose Aldo was like the greatest uh, featherweight of all time. Like he was like the champion anywhere. Nobody could beat this fucking guy. Brazilian dude Mm -hmm. had a scar across his cheek. Like somebody hit him with a sword or something. Badass looking dude. True character. Yeah. Well, no, he he didn't say anything. Like he would never say, he would just be this stoic dude. And he would just, he was just like, he would just hunt you down and you would just lose all. Like you would just be so like scared of this little Brazilian just walking you down. No matter what you did, you couldn't do anything to him. And then Conor McGregor, you know, he started chop talking all that shit in the like presser and it pissed Jose Aldo off to the point where then there's a video where Conor McGregor uh, in the back when he was like getting ready, he threw the exact same punch counter slip that he knocked him out with in 12 seconds. Like it, it was the, yeah, exactly it was the exact was same in the fight because literally it was right like Jose Aldo normally at the start of the fight, he'll like kind of walk you down kind of like time you figure you out and then he fucking puts it on you and yeah. then you're done. Yeah. But for some reason he wanted to hit Connor so bad right that he right. charged in yeah. Connor backed up, slipped the punch or I think the punch him in the forehead, but either way didn't catch him clean. And he threw a left hook, like a left straight, I think. And just boom, shut the lights out in 12 seconds and get a chance. Insanity. And there's always a video of his coach doing the exact same rush in counter slip left. Yeah. That's why it's like, cool to see yeah right because then right. you see the levels to it as well because sometimes you could see this dude who's like this up-and-comer who's just killing everybody mm-hmm. and then he goes up against a champ yeah and gets absolutely molly right and then you can also see like there's a difference there. i mean not only is it a physical skill but also like conor mcgregor used psychological mental, yeah. advantage that was and the main thing, thing, thing yeah to get this guy to make a mistake right off rip that's why it was so, fascinating I mean, multiple layers in that regard yes. too that's why it was fascinating when it was uh, Connor versus Khabib because mm-hmm. they hated each other. Like yeah. he was making fun of his religion. Yeah. His family. I remember that whole. He was, I mean, it was vile shit. He was that saying. That was when I was kind of starting to understand martial arts and it was vile shit. He was saying to like trying to get, because Khabib had always been this stoic, like yeah. very religious guy. He lives in the mountains of Russia yeah, and right. just comes out to smash somebody and then he leaves again. He's yeah. doing it for family and for right reasons. Yeah. At least in his eyes. Like the reason why he retired is because his dad died and he made a promise to his mom that he wouldn't fight once his dad More. was gone. Yeah. And so, yeah, but that was the fascinating thing. So you were like, is Khabib going to want to hurt Connor so bad that he makes the mistake that he normally wouldn't because he wants to hurt him so yeah, bad. Yeah, right. But then he did. He did. And he beat the shit uh, up. Yeah, he <laughs> fucked him up bad. He's never been the same since. No. But that's just the training behind it. Mm-hmm. That's well, why that's I like the mental for fortitude that fucking yes because i mean shit we only saw khabib really freak out well he did after it was that after fight. the fight was yeah done. after the fight he like and then he jumped and tried to hit a, yeah uh, dylan danis yeah yeah but other than that you would have never known but again like that's like unimaginable fortitude like you were saying mm-hmm. like if you're in a cage fighting for your life essentially yeah the ref is there to save your life essentially yeah, right because if it was a street fight and you get yeah. up knocked unconscious, you're yeah. It, I mean, martial arts—that's like the fundamental, like uh, mano y mano competition. Competition, yeah. yeah. Mano y mano. Sport. I'm gonna best you. Yeah, it's just literally human body versus human body. Yeah, it's the most basic form of sport that yeah. that you can distill any sport down to. And so then, when you see like a master at work, mm-hmm. it's fucking gnarly. Yeah. Right. Or like you see this like a per like a picture perfect combination that clearly that dude had been doing since he was like fourteen years old. Right. Not or only younger. not only do these guys have the physical uh, mastery of their body, yeah. they also have a mental mastery of their body too because there's so much mental that goes into that. Oh, absolutely, sport. Well, because you have to have a poker face the whole time. Yeah, right. So it's both, and that's beautiful to see yeah. come out of a human being. 
that's why it's funny where like pro sports and college sports are completely different fucking things. Yeah. Cause like pro sports, they're all masters at what they do. Right. So you watch it for that reason to just see a mastery of right. whatever you're watching. Mm-hmm. And you're like astounded. Like when Steph Curry is able to make like fucking 14 threes and then he never looks at them when they go in. Cause he's yeah. just that automatic. It's like, knows. holy shit. Yeah. But it's also fun to watch like March Madness. Cause any, bunch of any, any kids, dude yeah. could win or any team can win at any moment. Right. Same thing with like college football so and sporadic. shit. Yeah. Yeah. But like you watch like Patrick Mahomes. We talked about this one time with like these college kids, man, they're not just thinking about the game. They're thinking about the girl they're going to take home that night or the job, the class that they have on Monday. What are they doing it for? Yeah. Yeah. All the drinking they want to do after they win this game, you know, they're, and they're also just trying to figure out life. So they're so sporadic and unpredictable, but then you watch like NFL and it's It's clinical. It's just surgical. Whatever they do. It's mastery. That's why everybody says NFL is boring football. It is, Mm -hmm. but. It's the most like it's efficient, really cool. but if you can see that that it's mastering, you have a you have a, a appreciation for mastery. You can see the beauty in it. I still don't understand the mindset. Like I, I've never once. That's the one thing about UFC I've never understood is like, how would you fight somebody that you don't have a beef with? Because like there's yeah. a guy named uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He's like the nicest dude ever. Mm-hmm. and he's like 73 and 0 in kickboxing or some just unimaginable thing but literally like he never he smiles and like waves and shakes yeah. everybody's hands he's never yeah. said anything bad by anybody mm-hmm. so it's like how do you punch that guy in the mouth? yeah right say he's too nice some of those guys <laughs> like, i mean it's just like a mental switch that they i have. think that's what you yeah. have to do they tap in I was like gonna say, mike tyson fights, talks about that <laughs> yeah mike tyson's talked about that on a couple podcasts that i've heard where he said he turns like the god of war yeah and shit like that <laughs> mm-hmm. that Which he dude was. that dude's he's got fun. a couple screws loose. dude he's wild man he's Fucking yeah, well, he was I mean, trained from a child to be a killer. You're right. But I it's think probably you should true. leave. <laughs> I think it's probably true, though, that it's just, you know, they have this, they tap into that primal instinct or whatever it is that they have to tap into to be able to do the things that they do. What is wild. Bloody someone's face the way that they do. Yeah. What is wild is when a fighter has a child, it goes one of two ways. Either A, because like Not. Cowboy Cerrone. He had a kid and he kept fighting because he wanted to get more money to provide for that kid now. <laughs> Whereas before he was doing it for his own fame and glory. Yeah. Or once he achieved that, now he's a kid. Now he has a reason. Now he has a reason more. to keep fighting because he wants to do more. support. And he also wants to be like, hey, I'm trying to make my kid proud. Yeah. Whereas also then if some, some people have kids and then they just get out. Are never, then they don't have the same, like, yeah, they, they, don't. they don't take the same risks that they would have yeah. before because now they have a child that depends that, on them. Yeah, save or protect. So, yeah. yeah. So, it's that's one of two ways yeah. to look at. It's crazy how, how influential kids are on on everyone. From it's what crazy. all I've heard, just changes instantly. Yeah, Your entire changes, outlook on changes life. Changes life a lot. I mean, that's what happened with when Shay got her kids, man. They, like, you know, she fostered those kids. So, when I tell the story, people are like, wow, like, uh, you guys are really changing those kids' life. And I go, no, man, those kids have changed my life. Yeah. You know, because they've come into my life. And that's when I really started to, like, look farther into the future and, like, really start realizing that, like, hey, like, I want to have kids someday. And to do that, I I mean, I got to start growing up, becoming more responsible. And so, like, the last two years, that's when I've made large strides and just in life in general. I mean, and the, those kids did that to me, just being around them. You know, being around them and seeing how much I enjoy being with kids and how fucking fun they are and cute they are and how important it is to raise them correctly and how much, how big of a responsibility it is to like 
instill the things that you think they should should be instilled in a child you know and how big of an influence you are on them and like i said how big of a responsibility it is wanting to do that correctly is fucking you got to put a lot of time into that well i mean you remember as a kid like everything an adult said was like gospel yeah like it was like oh okay yeah because you're just trying to learn this whole fucking life yeah. deal out and you're just this little like pudgy thing that's running around has no clue what's going on and literally, wouldn't be able to survive <laughs> literally as, an, as a as a parent you're like the conscience you're like the like the conscience of that kid yeah you have to like show them like what's right and wrong and in every moment of every life or of every moment of their life until they get older you literally have to like guide them and show them right and wrong in every fucking thing it's crazy. It's a crazy responsibility. Changes people instantly. Yeah. Be wild to see what happens when us when we start popping out kids. Well, again, I'm gonna be by myself on my fourteen <laughs> and your dog skater. Yeah, yeah, skater. Keith, let me see that. No, man, I want to have kids so bad. I do too. Yeah, so bad. I've always wanted to have kids. It's one of the things over the last four years that I've been trying to like figure out what the fuck my life is like supposed to be for. You know, what am I here for? It's been one of the things I've been pondering since fucking college. And it seems to me that if I, if I comb through my life, like the one thing that's been consistent throughout since I was a fucking kid is that I wanted to be a spouse and a father. It's the only thing, like, you know, you go through phases, you know, when I, I come through, like, what I wanted to do with my life since I was a kid, you know, one of the first things I wanted to do was be uh, in the Army, you know, because my dad was in the military. I wanted to be in the Army, you know, but that fizzled out. You know, I wanted to be a firefighter, and that kind of fizzled out. I still kind of want to do volunteer, you know, and then later in life, I wanted to travel, and that's fizzled out. I still want to travel, but those aren't, like, the, the grand scheme, the whole picture of what I wanted to do with my life. The only thing that has been consistent is I've always wanted to be, you know, in a relationship and have kids ever since I was a kid. I mean, I got married in the kindergarten, bro. <laughs> married this girl and we had 44 kids. Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy. Then we got divorced and green crayon. We had to split the kids up. Apparently I got them all and then they all died. I was not a very good dad back in those days. Oh, but that's been the one thing that seems to have never changed. I've always wanted to be a father and always wanted to be a spouse. So having that realization, that's also really changed my life. And I, I mean, those kids really brought that into perspective for me when Shaylin got those kids. And so that's literally what's even like, even in like high school and college, what really drove me to do the things that I did was in preparation to have fucking a family. It's wild to think about. Didn't even realize it. But it makes a lot of sense if you think about evolution and our biology. I mean, that's literally like one of the most fundamental things that drives all of humans is repopulating the earth. Yeah, procreation. Yeah, procreation. I mean, that's what drives fucking every biological system. It's just making more of them. Even mosquitoes, plants, just repopulate, just keep putting seeds out there. And it's one of the most fundamental parts of life. You know, so it makes a lot of sense that that's one of the driving forces that's always been consistent in my life. For me, it's always kind of just been a thing where I just don't know. 
because I need I want to make sure that I'm in the right space to yeah. be able to have them, mm-hmm. and I don't know when that is. So it's kind of a thing where like, would I like to have a kid someday? Sure. Like I think it'd be pretty cool and pretty uh, beneficial for me to see that mm-hmm. whole change, you know. Yeah. But still, I would like to be in a spot where you're prepared for it. Yes. Yeah. In a spot where I can actually like raise a good kid and not be in a situation where I might raise someone like a yeah, not a good kid. Yeah, or yeah. like you know. But still, I mean, even though it's your kid, no matter what, to society. Yeah, but yeah. even then, you still love them. That's yeah, the right. fucking wild thing. Yeah, like deep down, no matter what they do. As much as I like to think that you know, I do, I'm doing all this preparation right now to have kids. I feel like it's going to be one of those things when it actually comes to it that it'll be one of those things where it's like you're never actually. No, ready. yeah, that's the thing. It's just one of those leap of faiths kind of things that you have to do. You know, so I would like to say I'd, I want to have kids that like. 30 here soon, you know, 25, 30, but I know we're 25, 30, Jesus, you know, 27 to 30, uh, I'd be having a kid right now. But as much as I want to say that I feel like I'll be ready, then I know I won't be. Once it comes down to it, it's just going to be one of those things that just well, got to jump into it. It's such a monumental curveball that you have to like, everything changes yeah, after everything that. everything changes. Because then it's not all you anymore. No. Now you're the back burner. Now you're the yep. secondary objective which, which is usually really beneficial for the human psyche to be honest because then it opens a whole new perspective yeah up. because now you're not front row seat of your own fucking bullshit because now your bullshit doesn't fucking matter because well i mean it still matters right because you don't want to you know be living you a bullshit fuck, yeah. life you know for your kids but then it becomes more of a driving force not to just do dumb shit yeah have that bullshit just get rid of it and start focusing on what you need to focus on, which would be raising that kid. You know, so usually kids change people's life because of that. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm planning on it. If I make it that far. Yeah. That's not a guarantee. Which is another thing. I'm not kidding when I tell you guys this. I wish, I, I need to go get tested for my fertility. If I cannot reproduce, I am drastically changing my life. I'm not kidding. I will probably quit my job, sell everything I have, and I will hop on a train and go. You could adopt, As, though. I know I could adopt. I know I could adopt. But still, it's a... T- it's a- but, so there's been this driving force every time that, like, I feel like I need a change in my life. The one thing that I've always really wanted to do is just nomad, just be on fucking wherever I'm going with a backpack. I don't know why I like train hop, but I've always wanted to do that too. I mean, there's been multiple times in my life where I've been like, I've called my mom and I told her like, Hey, I'm going to do this. She's always talked me out of it, but I've always wanted to. And so I feel like even though I could adopt, I would, if I couldn't have my own children, I would probably do that for a year or so. Soul search. Yeah, go Find a off, new purpose. Go off. And then I'd probably end up coming back, of course, because I love my family and uh, adopting. But why do you have concerns about your fertility? I don't really have concerns about my fertility. I mean, you just want to make you sure. You just want to know and make sure yeah. that what you're working towards is actually something that can happen. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, because it, if it's if I'm not fertile and I can't have children... Well, there's a lot of concerning things just from the environment that we're in. I mean, not a lot of people are struggling with 
fertility rates because of plastics and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's that. And I drink a lot of Mountain Dew, which is known to lower your, your sperm count. And uh, that was college years for me. I'm not kidding. I was drinking like four to five bottles of Mountain Dew a day. Jesus. Yeah, not good. Uh, I mean, that's really all I drank. But fucking uh, the the thing is for me, like if I can't have my own children, then that gives me like a couple years, you know, on on time that I could go off and do that other part of me that's burning to explore. It's burning to travel in that nomadic style. And I could like buys me a couple of years of time before I really would have to like settle down. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I could adopt, but I could also adopt like a five-year-old, you know? So there's those five years right there. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. Let's say you found the woman of your dreams. Yep. And you're ready to settle down with her. Mm-hmm. And you find out that she can't have kids. What would you do then? Well, so then that, that plays into the part of me that has always wanted to be a spouse. So I also have that burning passion to be a really good husband. And so whatever that means in that instance, to be a good husband is what I would probably pursue. Uh, which would most likely be, you know, well, okay, well, obviously we're sticking this through and then we would just go on adopting or whatever route we needed to go like a surrogate sort of thing yeah to, to fill fill whatever our needs are through that situation because i i mean that's what it is for me like right now it's like the kids i know would come later but the most burning thing is like finding that spouse yeah and so that's why another reason other than having the kids but the reason why i do all the things that i do now is to become a better you know, partner for someone. Uh, that's what I'm focusing on right now is becoming a better partner for someone. So that way I can get that, that tally checked off and then start having kids. Nobody does that anymore. What's that? Uh, works on themselves. They become a better partner. In, yeah. In preparation of being with somebody. Jordan Peterson kind of is who I got that idea from. And it makes so much sense. He always says, he says, uh, like, oh, how's it go? It's not the right question to, you know, when you ask, like, how will I know if someone's right for me? Or like, uh, what is the question? I'm trying to remember how he phrases it. But it's right. It's along the lines of like, I'm, I'm looking for someone who's right for me. Or really, the question is, is how do I make myself right for someone else? You know, yeah. because that opens up all your options. Uh, because you become a better partner for someone. I mean, you're going to have more options to choose from. Right. But then I also, and like a, a romantic. So like, I believe in things like love, you know, and like it being a rare thing, you know, so that's a battle that I constantly have raging inside my head is whether it's more like a, a rational way of looking at a relationship is like, you know, what can I provide and what are they providing and like all that kind of stuff. But that seems kind of shallow to me because I also have this idea. I don't know if it's from like watching Disney movies growing up or what it is. If I think life's a fairy tale, but fairy tale. But I also think that like there is a, tr- a thing is true love, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. It's a tricky subject for me. It is tough. And yeah. I think nowadays it doesn't help that. There's certain expectations that people want met 
And a lot of them are just really unreasonable. Sure. For at least a lot of people. What do you mean? Um, and I'm not speaking just in like women in general. Yeah. But definitely with like, and I'm not anti-feminist or anything like that. No. But there's a huge push for things that are just absolutely absurd. They're out of like, balance. Exactly. Yeah. He's got to be over six foot, yeah. make over six figures. These are the shallow things that I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it, right now in our society, it does seem unbalanced. Yeah. Right. Uh, Whereas then a man's value is, it, it's basically the scale is tipped completely. Mm-hmm. Whereas the woman is just a piece, which is what they're fighting against. But that's basically how but they're making it. It's kind of driven it to that more, yeah, which is yeah, sad. It's making it worse. Yeah, which is sad. I think that's, I don't know, the latest form of feminism. And I think a real feminist sees that. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know, but but I that's what it looks like to me too. Yep. But so so that's what I struggle with is like, you know, seeing seeing like uh the person that i'm pursuing a relationship with is like looking at it in a way where it's like not only is it just you know what can i provide and what she providing and like but also is the emotional aspect of it there the love feeling there yeah yeah i think for i think it's both it's another one of those paradox things where it's not like it's not like it's one or the other it's both it's both like is that feeling there as well as like are the inputs into the relationship balanced yeah you know and it doesn't always have to be 50 50 but no of course not i mean there are things that i'm i'm good at and i can provide 80 percent of that part or that aspect of life and so then the she only has to provide 20 percent. you know and that's that's when like the love thing kind of comes into play where it feels like it's meant to be because it's like, well, you're not good at this, but I'm great at it. So we kind of fill that, those gaps in together. And that's where that emotional feeling is like, Oh my God, it's meant to be. So this is that true love that I always thought was real growing up as a kid. You know? So, I mean, I think things do work out like that. I have faith that it works out like that, but also like I've become really rational. So it's like, also we have to like, analyze that and like take this seriously and like build that and discover you know what are these things that i'm good at that you're not good at or the things that you're good at that i'm not good at and like negotiate our relationship together it's both it's both i don't know it takes a lot of time Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on having kids there nate um becca and i've kind of talked about that because she's not nearly as much on board now that she doesn't ever want them but she's just more worried about her career and everything first. So kind of like we said, there's never and we, a right at perfect time, never a perfect time ever. And I even asked, I was talking to my grandparents about this and they're like, and if every, if everyone waited for the perfect time to have kids, none of us would be here. Right. So it's true. she's like, you just, you just have to kind of go with it. She's mm-hmm. like, but you can obviously be in a better position to have kids. Like right yeah. now, fuck no, no, that'd be horrible. Um, that's one but of the yeah, benefits. That's more, yeah, that's more what she's worried about is just being more financially stable, mm-hmm. set in her career. And then she's like, then I think I'd be more open to it. But that, that, also the thought of childbirth just scares the shit out of her. <laughs> but <laughs> I, sure I, I really want it's kids. It's terrifying. Yeah. Man. As a female, I couldn't understand how terrifying it is to 
yeah. think about childbirth. Have something but, inside of you. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the benefits of, uh, like the time that we live in now we can actually, you know, push off having those kids. Oh yeah. We're a lot younger than we think we are. I mean, with the advances in medical technology, we'll probably live to see 112. And the know. survival rate is very, very so much higher yeah, now, right, both the right. mother and the child too. So we can actually put off, you know, having children until a later age when we are more financially set up and have a career going for us, you know. That's not as necessary as back in the day. Yeah. I right. mean, my mom had Sean at 36, 37. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, right. I mean, you couldn't even have a kid at 36 back in the day. No. It'd kill you. Yeah. Yeah. It'd kill you. I mean, but we can do that now. And we're, like I said, we're also a lot younger than we think we are. Yeah. You know, we're, we're still in our young twenties in right. comparison to those guys back then. So, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, you got yourself a good one there, Nate, I think. I think so too. I agree. Nate, I think you've done well for yourself. I'll kick your coverage, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, but it is all of those things, you know, like that's also what I would like is to find someone who's like passionate about figuring out what they're going to do with their life and what they want. Yeah. That is one thing I really like. That's yeah. a much more attractive thing as I've gotten older that you find. Mm -hmm. And that's when, why when you see somebody who doesn't like, when you see a woman who doesn't have her shit figured out and, doesn't really seem to have the want to have yeah. her shit together or at least to an equal amount that you have your yes. figured out yes yeah then it's just like oh oh you know like she's going out to the bars every fucking night yeah just hound just pounding drinks it's like yeah. oh well oh, uh, thanks like yeah i don't know if yeah. i want in on that we're in different stages of life yes yeah because there was a time where fuck i did that yeah know? right of course but, but i'm past that yes yeah and so it's like you do you but i'm not trying to get involved with that mm -hmm. Yeah, it's difficult. That's why at times, like, between Becca and I, like, I feel inferior in some ways because she's got it all planned out and everything. Yeah, right, right. I hate that feeling. For sure. As a guy, especially, it's just like, yeah. fuck. Right. I'm just here working at Costco. Yeah. I'm like, and the uh, guy always wants to be the one with the plan. Always. And yeah. I'm like, it's not even, like, misogynist sort of thing. It's just, yeah, I, no, I don't no. know, just don't... wanting to provide as much as I can. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what we're, like, biologically set up to feel and think yeah as that's males. Like, so then i just get more stressed out because i know she's starting school soon she's going to be on the track to doing what she's going to do and i have no fucking idea i'm just like oh so frustrating yeah right i can imagine one thing i've always struggled with is planning shit out and like actively trying to do so uh, mainly just because i don't want to plan for something and then feel the disappointment and all the shit that comes with it not working out the way that I want it. That is why people don't plan. Yes. And that's why I've been trying to actively get better at it. But even then, I, I, I really like the spur of the moment things. Yeah. It feels I, thor I thoroughly enjoy like, like when we were out at, fuck, at uh, uh, what was that place the, uh, where we drove to? Breckenridge? Yeah. When we went to Breckenridge, like we had no plan of where we were going, what we were doing. Yeah. And we just happen to stumble upon that, that smoke out. Yeah. And then we just walk in there and it's, it's like, this place perfect. is fucking awesome. Yeah. It's perfect. And then we ate fucking fantastic barbecue. Yeah. And then it was like, well, shit, we had no idea this place was even here. Right. We were going to do this. Yeah. It's awesome. Those spur of the moment things are best for that type of situation. Well, though. yeah, not life planning. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing though, man, because like if, 
I will say sometimes for me though, the most influential things I've ever done and mm -hmm. the things that have changed me the most as a person, yep. it was a spur of the moment. Yep. Every, almost every single one of them. Like when I moved to Lincoln, yep, that absolutely. was legitimately like a week, spur a week's planning. And I went down there. Like mm -hmm. literally it was like Marcus said jokingly, oh, we have a roommate, roommate moving out. Hey, you know, Steen, come down here. Yeah. And I was like, uh, fuck it. I was like, fuck it. Might as well. Yeah. And I went down there and it was the most change your life. Yeah, absolutely. I've I don't, had, I've had it. I think it was the experience. single most life changing thing I've done. And yeah. it doesn't even sound that important, like that astounding of a thing, but from all the people I've met and the life changes that I've done and the experiences that I've had that I will cherish forever. And it's like, I wouldn't have had it and I wouldn't have changed it any other way. Right. Unless you just jumped into it. Yeah. Like that was my college for me yeah right like that was my you know mm -hmm. like obviously i still had nate and trey and everybody in omaha still uh until nate moved down obviously but then like uh you know it was just like a thing where i didn't know many people i only knew like you know i didn't really know kohler at all i knew andrew and marcus like decent like i knew andrew all right marcus i only really talked to on xbox i was like fuck it went down there met mike dan you great friendships yeah. out of it yeah jen all them right and so it's like yeah like for me that's whenever i try and like over analyze and overthink everything that's when it goes to the disappointment that comes in because i've put so much effort into the planning of it uh to where then if it doesn't work out the way i want it to or i don't know how i'm trying to phrase it here or the way that you see it yeah because then it'll way. go some you know life will throw curveballs in there like yeah, when i went course. to lincoln i had no expectations yeah uh, like I, like I had no idea what I was going to experience yeah. or what I was going to do. I had mm -hmm. no experience. So I was like open to whatever I was like, Literally fuck it. Let's expect just anything. Yes. So when you have expectations for something, that's when it kind of gets that disappointment. Yes. It's yeah. our, it sets it up Absolutely. right there, right there. As soon as it doesn't go the way you want, boom, it's done. But if you have no expectations, it's like, fuck it. Right. You start getting afraid of failure then yes. too. And then it, then it throws everything off. Yeah. Right. And Which now, is obviously a very hard thing to overcome because nobody wants to fail, but you have to. Mm -hmm. Yes, in you order, have to, you have to fail correctly. So that's where that's where I've come to in life. So I also had the a realization about expectation. You know how that was actually the thing that was like causing like the discomfort in my life was I was setting up expectations and then not meeting them all the time, and that would cause that you know disappointment, discomfort in my life. But that's necessary is what I've come to now. You, you can't. You can't go through life, even if you don't set up expectations, you're still going to have that discomfort, that disappointment, because I mean, things just don't go the way that you want them to, you know? Uh, so the thing about planning that Jordan Peterson always talks about is the, the plan isn't a set thing. The plan is always changing. And so having that, that explained to me really helped me with my plans. So like when I plan out my week nowadays and my months nowadays, it's not set in stone. It's more fluid. Yeah, it's that 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 plan changes constantly, all the time, and being aware of that and and accepting of the fact that you know things will not go the way that you change because you are only fifty percent creator and fifty percent created. You know that that's that same idea we were talking about earlier, uh, because things won't go the way they that you want them to because the, things will go the way the world wants them to. You know, and so being fluid in your plan. And being accepting of the fact that your plan won't actually come to fruition. If if you think that uh, you know what's right and wrong for you, what what the right path is to go, you're wrong. I promise you. 
you know, life will show that to you. It'll unveil it to you. You just have to be accepting of it and willing to change your ideas about things um, is what I've come to. And so you kind of just got to follow what they call like the golden thread. You know, that's that, that thread that you kind of got to follow. Have a plan because if you don't have a plan, then you're not going anywhere. So you have to have a plan, but you have to be willing to change that plan as things are, are presented to you throughout life is what I've come to. And so that's what I attempt to do nowadays. And that seems to help with like the disappointment. I mean, I don't, when things don't go to plan, it's just how it is nowadays. It's just it's how it always goes. I mean, that's helped me a lot with like the position I'm in at work. You know, I'm in a position where now I have to like come up with the plan and like present the plan. But then the plan never, never, ever is gone. It's say, nothing, to go. nothing ever goes how you plan it. No. No matter no. what it is. But you just have to be willing to accept it if it's better. Hit. Accept it if it goes better or worse. Yeah, right. Either way. Or you, Lincoln turned out way better than I could have ever imagined. We wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Legitimately. Uh-huh. Like, I had no idea what was going to come from it. Turns out, probably the most influential thing I've ever done. Are either one of you, uh, I don't know if scared is the right word, but kind of anxious about becoming like rooted in one spot? Absolutely. Chained down. Yes. Yes. Because what? One of my biggest fears for the last years. Yeah. One of my dad's older years. buddies, he told me like, make sure you don't, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, make sure you don't get rooted down before you want to. Yeah. Too early. Because he's like, there's going to come a time where you can't just up and do what you want to do or go where you want to go. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I just want your guys input on that. Yeah. That's why I want to live somewhere other than Omaha. Okay. Like, like not just Lincoln, but out of Nebraska, go do something. I don't know. And I feel like kids is a big part of that too. Before yeah. I have kids, I want to go out and live my life. Yeah. See some things. Yeah, absolutely. And in, for me, that was the bus, that whole, era of me building that school bus of travel was wanting to live life unchained. Didn't want to be chained to a career. I knew I wanted to eventually be chained to a family, but I didn't want to be chained to a spot, you know? So that was the whole idea behind the bus. Now, uh, what I've come to now, I, I want to do a lot of traveling this summer for this very reason, because I feel like I haven't done the travels that I want to have had before I get rooted down. But it's the same thing with like uh, like a routine throughout the day. It's very good, beneficial seems to have some sort of routine. You know, uh, as humans, it seems to be beneficial to have a routine. And uh, it's the same thing in the a greater scheme of life that, that expands outward to, you know, it'd be good to have some sort of rooting. Otherwise, you're just drifting. You know, that's literally why we call it rooting. Uh, but to get to the point where you feel like you're ready to be rooted down, that is a scary thought because it's going to be another one of those things where a book closes sort of thing. Well, chapters kind of, yeah, in a way. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It, it Well, no, it's exactly that. But, but it's also one of those things where it's like, I don't know if you'll ever be ready for it. You're just going to have to just, it's you'll just going to happen. Yeah, you'll wake up one day and that's. And I mean, if you, if you think about the terminology you just used, you know, rooted, you know, think about like that tree over there, those roots don't just 
permanently happen. Yeah. It just kind of happens as Naturally. you go through life. You know, I'm just thinking about this now. Like, I'm starting to become rooted mm -hmm. with this career that I had with Kidwell. You know, that is one root that is starting to grow into the ground and plant me into a place. You know, which is kind of terrifying. You know, that's that's <laughs> but, exactly how I felt. That's the reason why I brought it up is because the other day I felt the exact same way about my job. Yeah, where it's like since I'm like the only guy, mm -hmm. like I'm, I, I, you know, that root mm -hmm. is growing is there. And it's like, Oh shit. Starting to, spring I can't downwards. just, I can't just up and leave or else I'm fucking over a lot, a lot of, of people. people. Right. Like and people depend on me and there's all that new responsibility that as you get older, you accrue, mm -hmm. you know, through life, you just, you know, acquire more responsibility for not only yourself, but then the people you care about and the people that you, you know, are around you. Yeah. yeah. That you don't want it, that you never would want to hurt, you know? Exactly. And so that was one thing I noticed. That's why I was curious, but I guess I, sorry for cutting you off. There, no, but. no, you're, yeah, exactly right. Uh, but I mean, if you think about it, like a tree still using that same terminology, I mean, that tree couldn't be standing if it didn't have its roots. It couldn't grow to be big and strong. You know, and you, you hear about roots in a lot of folk tales and music and stuff like that. It's essential to have roots. You, you have to have them. And I, I don't think it's one of those things where it, so obviously it's not one of those things where it happens all at once. It's kind of one of those things that is creating you, you know? And yeah, it's terrifying. And I tried to fight it off <laughs> when I was building that bus. That's literally what I was trying to do. But then it was kind of going against off. everything that you wanted to do. Yeah. Right. In a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually chaining me down. It's one of the reasons why I sold the bus is because it was, I wanted to live chainless is my whole my whole ended philosophy up down. ended up holding me down and holding me back from doing the things that were around me uh that would progress me to actually where i wanted to go you know i was i was younger than you know so i didn't really know much about myself you know i've never really done much analysis i still i know i know right now when i look back at these recordings in like three years not even two years i'll be like jesus fuck man you didn't know shit about yourself then yeah. either you know i know that but that's just how it is. I don't know. It, it's scary thinking about getting rooted down, but I think it's a necessary, I think it's a thing necessary thing. And if you accept it and, uh, go take it on, with it, yeah. yeah, take it on. It could, you could grow into a very beautiful, large tree rather than fight it. You grow with it sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because if you fight it, it'll figure out a, a way to still root you in. Anyways. Exactly. It's literally what the bus did. It's literally what the bus yep. did. I was trying to fight being rooted down, and all it did was fucking fight a way me. to root. Yeah. Yeah. It buried me. That's wild. That's crazy. That's a cool thought. The complete opposite of what you had intended. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the twist of fate. The life will throw you every now and That's again. That's that 50% created, 50% creator. Nothing goes to plan. Yeah. Uh, and you got to be willing to adapt. Go with the flow of that plan. And now look what you're doing. Big foreman. <laughs> Big foreman, baby. Oh, yeah. I think that's part of the reason I do like where I'm at a little bit. Like yeah. at Costco. Mm -hmm. I don't have any crazy responsibilities like that. It's kind of nice. I just kind of get to relax for a little bit. Especially, I think... My timeline's a little bit different too since I went to college. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been doing that for so long and I'm like, fuck, I, I don't want to just jump straight into a career and waste these years of my life doing something where I have so many responsibilities. 
Yeah. I'm like, yes, I want to be more financially stable and everything. Like, not that I'm broke, but I don't know, just be able to provide more. But at the same time, I don't want to waste all of the time that I have working for somebody else. So, I don't know. Go farther on that, if you could. So, I guess it's, I don't know, a, a big... It's a big byproduct of the United States in general, but I don't, that's why I've been seriously debating either going in with Austin or by myself. If he wanted to do something else, I don't know what happens, but like buying my dad's business, because then I call the shots. I do what I want. And for the most part, I mean, obviously there's a shitload of work to be done. Yeah. You take on a large amount well, of entrepreneurial business like that is literally how hard you work equates how much money you get out of it right but then if we can get to the point where i can have someone mainly running it i'm hoping by the time i'm 30 i have the freedom always yeah but at that point i have the freedom to do what i want and i still have my youth for the most part right it's an expedient route to the top yep yeah it's extremely difficult and i understand that right but if i actually put my mind to it i know i could do it i bet you could but sure. again, that route, as soon as that happens, that route is there. That route is a lot longer yep. and harder and yes. than will be expected for sure. Yeah, but then again, I, I've tossed around that same idea of, you know, starting my own electrical company. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, you have a, a foundation already built up. That That's what makes accepting, it right? way, way easier. Right. But still to form it into, you know, your own business. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a long time. That is a lot of cow shit. That is a fuck ton of cow oh, shit. Oh, my God. God. Jesus Christ. But it'd take, it'd take a she lot of time. the back. And a lot of hard work. I yeah. don't know, man. The fucking... Uh... It's either that or... I, I really do like the idea of doing, like, nurse recruiting. Because I have a lot more yeah. freedom with that. Yeah. And, I mean, just from the stories, obviously, that Jake tells at the fucking office, I'm like... That doesn't seem like a bad place Dude, to work. It seems like a fucking amazing gig. That's what I know. Like I, to and me I know well. I can figure it out. And I mean, Jake, within this is wild. So within his first year, year and a half, I mean, granted, he has his master's in business now too, which helps him a little bit. He has a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. on a lot of different things. But he went He's from a smart dude. Yeah, he is. He's a great dude. He went from I think they start at forty for their. Um, like regular salary, salary. Yeah. and then you get your bonuses and stuff and commission. And then now he's a manager or assistant manager and he's making well over six figures, like two years in. Two years in. I yeah. same thing with my mom's route. Like, I that's mean, fucking they, nuts. They are on the same trajectory. Those two are. They're neck yeah. and neck, is the way it sounds. And I mean, that's, that's the coolest thing about like a, a company that's merit based like that. Yep. Without, a, without too much of a limit. You know, you can you can make your way up as quick as you can work as hard as you can. Yep. And that's that's why I would prefer something like that. I don't yeah, want to right. be sitting at a fucking desk. It's one of the reasons why I'm sticking with Kidwell. Yeah. And I've mm-hmm. also I also have had the desire and this is the whole reason that I switched majors so many times. I love helping people. Yeah. So that's a big thing. I'm like, I want my work to be doing something positive, not just Fucking working for a corporation. Yeah, pushing doing, things along. Yeah, doing things like that. Like, I'll know that a lot of these nurses, I'm helping change their life. Yeah. 
or put them in a better situation, building right. those relationships. And I really enjoy that. Provides and more meaning. Yeah. And especially since I know so many of those hospitals need those nurses. Yeah, right. So that's, I don't know, I really like that. And it's a more independent sort of workspace. I'm working for myself and others. Mm -hmm. It's a big driving force. That, I mean, that gig is a, a fucking dope one. Oh, yeah. yeah and that's that why I'm really, I'm really torn. Yeah. Because I'm like, I could quite literally work for myself if I wanted to buy my dad's business. And Austin, I don't know what you think, but we could easily, not easily, it's a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. I bet within five, six years, if we got more people, more trucks, you could hit a million dollar year. I don't know if the time span would be that short. Uh, it really depends. Though, it would be tough. Into it. It'd be tough because that hole goes down to just the money hole and all the what you want to allocate your money towards. Right. Especially well, after buying that business for how much money it would have to be. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying we make a million. I'm saying in sales. Well, yeah. We but yeah. But. but at the baseline of all of this is this is what Jordan Peterson's like main thing is. I mean, to make any of that a reality, the first thing you have to do is accept the fact that you're going to have to take on a fuck ton of responsibility yeah. Yeah. and you have to take it on head forward and accept it and do the best that you can with it. I mean, that's that was another thing with living the unchained life is avoiding responsibility. So that way you didn't have any chains, didn't have any roots down, but. But when you talk about, you know, farther out in the future, all the things that we, or at least for me, all the things that I want to see happen in my life demands the fact that I have to take on responsibility. You got to own a up bunch to it. of it. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, to get where I want to go in life, I just, I have to, you know, and so that's another thing that I've tried doing. I mean, that was my whole last summer was like committing, was like looking back on it, it was a commitment uh, practice that I did was, you know, whenever I got invited to do something or like asked to do something, I would say yes, if I could, and then commit myself to it and then make it happen. Yeah. You know, that's what I tried to do was, you know, hone in on my commitment skills and take on all those responsibilities. Keeping your word. Dude. And for some reason, man, I don't know what it is, but for my life, trying to take on responsibilities as much as I can, whenever I can. I've in the last two years, I feel like I've gotten up and kind of started running yeah. with life. It's wild, man. I heard those ideas from Jordan Peterson and then tried to put them into practice and fucking a, it's been going fucking good. I mean, cause I do putting off responsibility is what I was like trying to do, you know? Yeah. Well, that was me when I lived in time. Lincoln. Yeah, Just, right. I, had, I had literally, when I lived in Lincoln, I had zero responsibilities. Yeah, and it was amazing. It's so good. Well, but you need that so time, so too. That was the thing. So the only responsibility I had was to pay for rent and utilities. That was the only thing. And I had my savings for that. Yeah. So that was the only responsibility I had, but it wasn't like that pressing of an issue. Like, I wasn't going, like, paycheck to paycheck to do it. I had, was just paying it. Yeah. It's pretty easy. But then, but then when... And it was cool at the start because yeah. I was learning all these new things that I wouldn't have been able to do if I had a job, you know, like I wouldn't be able to meet all the people, have all the funny times and stories Good and moments, memories. Yeah. which those are obviously great. Yeah, but then like I could definitely sense a, a, a drastic, uh, Longing. yes and no, it was, it was almost for me, it was almost kind of a bipolar 
situation sure. in my head where it was kind of like back i was i was like man i really should be doing something here yeah but then also there was the but if i was doing something right now i wouldn't be able to do what i'm doing right now while i'm still able to do it yeah right. as in like you know being a young stupid kid, kid doing dumb things seeing mike grease a bike chain with bacon grease yeah and then staying up until <laughs> three in the morning doing dumb shit, doing dumb shit talking drunk. with people whatever drunk yeah, yeah drunken shenanigans that i'll never forget you know can't be doing that stuff when you have to be at work in the morning. Yes. Well, we've all done that, but uh, yeah. you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. There's repercussions. So that, was, that was kind of the thing for me. Like my, I know my depression went way, well, granted, I never really struggled with it in uh, high school until like junior year. And then it was kind of wishy-washy. It wasn't super bad. But then I noticed like, especially like winter, like that winter depression that sets it. I don't know if y'all get oh, yeah, that. Seasonal depression. Oh, yeah. But I know when that, for that first winter, when it was like, everybody had like work or school. And I was just sitting there doing nothing. Oh my God, that was the worst. Felt like wasted potential. I felt like a loser. Yeah. A, a loser. But again, then it'd be like the bipolar thing where then I'd feel like a loser. But then the next day, fucking, I go over to Mike and Dan's and they're doing something stupid. I'm like, oh, this is just, fucking awesome. And you could just be there for it. Yes. Yeah. That, that was the main. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah now that now you say that, yeah. I think that was the main thing. I was able to be present. Yeah. Because be there, there. Was, there was nothing really stopping me from thinking about work or what I had to do the next day or mm. what assignment I had because I didn't have any. So I was able to sit there and just be me in yeah. that environment. Yeah. But then when there was no so environment great. to be in yeah. and it was just me and, and Stan, Stan the fish. Oh yeah. Then <laughs> it was just me and Stan. And then uh, the reality of my situation, I was able to be present for that as well, yeah. which I wasn't happy about. You didn't like that. Yes. Yeah. So that was kind of the, I don't know if bipolar is the best way to put it. It was no, almost like the, the, fre the frequency of. Well, it's a dichotomy. You have. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, yes. That's yes. That's what it was. It was because I, I felt like the happiest of happy that I've ever been some of those nights and some of those mm. days where I, we were just being dumb, young kids doing stupid shit. That was just funny. And we weren't even drunk some of those times, like, you know, a good amount of those times, actually. Yeah. Right. It was just like fucking late night. Me, me, Lamer and Marcus yeah. just freestyling over some stupid beat or something. Yeah, just late night stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I was able to be present for those because I didn't have anything pressing to worry about yeah, really right. yeah but then it was almost like those times were almost like me just putting like a, a curtain over all the shit that i didn't want to focus on but then when nobody was around that curtain got pulled back showing all the monsters and demons that i still had to fight in oh. my own psyche almost yeah it was kind of a thing where like i loved where i was at but i hated myself the most sort of thing i guess if that yeah, makes any sense absolutely makes sense it was kind of a thing where like i was so pissed at myself that i was doing what i was doing mm -hmm. but i was also happy that i was doing it yeah. it was like i wasn't proud of myself but i was happy with my it, i don't know how to say it i was well, proud that i was able to jump and do something that i would have never done normally because mm -hmm. i tend not to do those things but again like like i was saying like it just fucked my mental up so rapidly it would just change in an instant right especially when i was by myself mm -hmm. um but i think that's most people though i think so too like i think I that's mean, a lot of people very similar experience with like my college days and it, i mean it got worse towards the end because i mean that's i was pushing off like that same that, for me yeah. that earning to uh, to do more that yearning to do more or like go out and start life you know and i was I really enjoyed the fact that I could the same exact thing where I could be present and like go do the things on a whim when presented. Right. 
same thing. But by the end of my college experience, that that yearning to like go start life and like go do and make something of myself had me so broken down because I wasn't doing it that I couldn't take it anymore. And so I had to just go, I just had to go, go off and do it. That was like when, uh, get into it. That was like kind of the eye opener for me is when Andrew said that he was moving out and I knew that the days were coming to an end. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I look back and all those memories, I wouldn't trade for anything. Like they're so immensely valuable. I was to me, say, in my per- like, yeah. In hindsight, it was probably like you just said, one of the best decisions you've ever made. It was. Well, I think it was a net positive yep. all around. I think, yeah. obviously, there's good and bad that comes with everything. And I think in the moment, sometimes it's too much. I learned how to fight my own emotional, like demons. I guess is what, a simple way to put it. I don't know how else to put it, but it's kind of like I, I learned how to deal and fight with them because I was forced to. Mm-hmm. Because some nights there was nobody around or whatever, and I was just sitting there lonely, didn't have anything to do. And I knew I didn't have anything to do and nothing to keep me pushing forward sort of thing because I didn't have any responsibilities to do that. Whereas then, like near the end, when we were all moving out or whatever, I started working for Nate's dad, all that. Then I was like, oh, you know, now I have something to do. And I was still able to be present, but not as much. So it was kind of like a pullback. Yeah, yeah, sacrifice. Yeah, it was a pullback, but I needed the pullback because I I was almost like, I had experienced so many things of being present. It was almost like, okay, you've had a stockpile of this for a long time. You can sacrifice some of those now yeah, some of those to get where you need to be. Yeah, right. So it's like you, are, you have this bank, this savings account of all of these memories that you will carry for a long fucking time. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, okay, now it's time to fucking batten down the hatches and get after some shit because you've wasted. Not, I don't know. Wasted sounds Waste right is not the right word. No, but not at all. Uh, yeah, not wasted. Uh, more or less you've like. You've done it. Yeah. yeah the the year it. and a half has passed and now it's time. Yeah, you've got you, it. That, that chapter is not closed, but it's, you're on to the next page. Right. You had your phone. Yes. Yeah, that's, a, that's the other benefit of it. You got it out of your system. I mean, yes. for me, that's how it was. I got, I got to experience that and I'll cherish those those years forever i mean they're some of my favorite years to remember and reminisce on but i also know that i would not be happy if i was doing those things to this day that's yes that's i, w- yep. I know I would not be i mean if i was doing those things i would i would not be a good person because uh, those that's one of those phases in life where you got get do that get it all out of your system that's one of the benefits of doing it you get out of your system and then get older and get find that or at least for me that taking on responsibility is actually like the thing that makes me the happiest really makes me happy when i can like do things for other people and like provide and and take on responsibility so that other people can strive and stuff like that i fucking love that it's so meaningful to me and that's that's what i've come across that's what i enjoy too yeah right and i wouldn't be able to do that if i was just wanting to be present as much, I, I still love being present. Absolutely. And love being able to be there for people and not have like something pressing work or yeah, relationships like, hanging over your head. It's like, I'm thing. in, I'm in the midst of a really good conversation and I'm like, God, I gotta go to bed because I have to work in the morning. Yeah. I still like to push through and do those things, you know, and you know what it present. is balance. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's literally what it comes to. I mean, you, you still have to have both. Well, yeah. Cause I was, I had zero responsibility at mm-hmm. all so right. now i know what the that, balance was off so yes yeah, so now i know what it feels like now again like 
some of those nights, the fucking funniest, hardest I've laughed, like, you know, all that shit. But also there are some nights where I was just like, this is fucking awful. And I hated myself. But, you know, fucking you found it. In, yeah, you fill in those times with responsibility. Yeah. And then still cherish and be present in the moments where you get the opportunity to be whimsical and on a whim and spontaneous. And you really cherish those moments when you get the opportunity to have them. And I think that it, is a healthy way to live life. Yes. I think it makes you realize, too, you're not missing much. Because everybody no. is doing the same thing. While you're sitting there doing depressed, all. doing yeah. anything, people are out there working. They're doing something productive and whatever. That's the main thing. Because, again, I'd be sitting there, and what would they be doing during the day? They School work, and work. Yeah. Bettering themselves. All the, all the fun things happen, happen later on when everyone's yes. together. Yeah, right. And meanwhile, I was sitting there doing nothing. And so then that was, again, kind of the... I wouldn't have traded it for the world, no, obviously. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, uh, you, you wouldn't have learned these lessons. Well, because in my childhood, I didn't, I was never forced to learn things uh, about myself like that. Cause I was kind of just like an easy track. Like it was just like, Hey, just don't be a fuck up at school <laughs> and everything will be all right. Yeah. And then like, I never really had to do any soul searching or whatever. Like I never had to do any learning. Cause you know, when you're that young, you don't really have to think about doing that. You don't have to yet. I was going to say, I got something to add to this too, but uh, I just kind of realized. Well, go ahead, just- so, I mean, I, I know it's kind of the same for you and for most people like our age on our class and everything it's kind of like we were on a fast track and everything was planned out for you so now that i'm out of school and everything because that's that's always what it was you're going to go to school you're going to get good grades you're going to go to college college, get a degree get get a a job get a good job but now that i'm out i'm on my own obviously still trying to figure it out there's nobody there to plan it i have to do all the planning yeah which it's a hell of a lot of work. And the, when uh, yeah, the, the past 24 years, I haven't really planned a whole lot myself. There hasn't been much planning. It's mainly been my parents and everything, which thank God for them. Who fucking knows where I'd be. Yeah, but, but also it's like you were never taught those skills, how to plan. Because mm-hmm. You never got put in that situation to do it. So then you have to learn on a crash course yep. how to, you know, foresee what's coming up and then try to plan for it. Yeah. You know, because you're never given that opportunity, yeah. even though like... I don't know. As a parent, I'm hoping that I can give my kids the opportunity to, you know, do their own thinking. And Let them fail them. more as well. Yeah, right. And learn. I fail. think that's the biggest thing with this generation was they would not let us fail. That was. There's a lot of yeah. I mean, granted, obviously out you there, there's a lot of people who fail. didn't have the parental figures uh, around. Yeah, right. And so they learned all of the crash course at a much younger age. Yeah. That's which why obviously so much like more responsible, more mature. Which obviously again, there's, like we've always said, there's pluses and minuses to that too. Because not now you are more mature, but you didn't get to experience the yeah. So then you're still yearning for that yes, no responsibility time yes that we gotta go. But through. you've been go 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 since twelve. What yeah or yeah, the, yeah you know. But instead of twelve for us, it was eighteen. Yeah, and now you're just like all right, get pushed out into the world, and it's like oh, there's more to life than going to school and learning about algebra and worrying about dumb school things like relationships about that shit yeah like that was the funniest shit looking back now the shit you stressed out about in like high school or middle school uh, and dude. it's like <laughs> it the same thing in two yeah exactly yeah it's the yeah. same thing it's like yeah. you're worried about fucking that dude mm-hmm. like you're worried about that why no impact at all no but you were so fucking worried yeah fucking losing your shit you can barely it. eat barely yeah. sleep yeah right and fucking it guess what it you weren't it worked out anything yeah. no yeah Going back to the responsibility thing, like, uh, like 
so I've got quite a bit of responsibility that got thrown onto me recently. You guys know, and uh, I mean, I struggled with that because I was not expecting it. But mm-hmm. but another nice thing about adopting a lot of responsibility this weekend is a perfect example. This weekend, I was literally able to be present the entire you, time. You appreciate it so much and more. appreciating all of you guys and everything that was going on and just being you know, away from my responsibilities, I was able to cherish it that much more because I have so much more responsibility, you know, driving me to, to take into account all the little, little things. Those moments mean way more. That's yeah. That's a perfect explanation. That's exactly how it was for me. Like it was kind of like all the moments got doled down because they happened so frequent because I had no responsibility. So it just, so it doled it down to where like, I could tell you like, for the first year I lived there from like September to May, like June. And that was even when COVID started. But even then, like I could tell you like, you know, every memory of that. Cause it was just so constant. Boom, boom, boom. It was like, I was constantly having these fucking great memories and being present and all that. But then it switched, which COVID may have had a, uh, kind of a twist on that too. Cause of everything shutting down and it kind of didn't let you do the, shit yeah. that we could have done before but still yeah. it was like all those times they just got doled down because they would happen so frequently and there's nothing to show me the other side of what could be happening as like i just kind of rambled into nothing there. no you're on uh, it though. can i can i also add some hop in dog so the the covid thing i think that robbed a year from us easily at least and i i'm scared about the generations that like kindergarten and first grade i'm worried about that yeah Cause like for them, like facial, like recon- recognition of like faces and like seeing emotion emotions through faces yeah. is emotions. just the biggest thing at, at that, that age. age. Oh. And so now they have, you know, their teachers have masks on, they have masks on trying to communicate to their for friends two years, yeah, yeah. for to their friends and teachers and all that. And they all are masked up. I'm not saying fucking COVID's a, a fucking hoax, whatever. I'm just scared that that is going to have a massive impact on like, uh, society as a whole on just being able to be more social it's going to have a massive impact on those young individuals for sure which will eventually have an impact on the society at large for sure hopefully it'll just be another one of those blip in the radar yeah yeah. hopefully just be another one of those bumps that will be interesting to see because that is that is a very true fact that in those young ages like that being able that's when they're like figuring out how to read how to be facial <laughs> recognition like uh, emotion emotional displays through faces responses through body emotion and how to speak to like people that. those underlying subconscious things that we do to communicate with each other you know they're missing out on two years of learning that and that can be devastating to the psyche i mean I anything at that age is, is devastating. devastating yeah i mean uh, i mean if you do not get things close to correct between the ages of one to probably maybe eight. Uh, I mean, that it's could, hard could to be break those. for life. It's yeah. hard to rechannel yep. those brain processes. In life. It's hard to break those cycles. It's hard mm-hmm. to break those mm-hmm. things that you've learned at such a young age because that's like what's set in stone. Yeah, right. Everything else is pretty men. Like, like uh, there's a lot of things you can kind of like mold yeah, it's as you mold. go on. You yep. can build upon or whatever. But those building blocks from when you were one to four is the most critical. Critical. Age. Yeah. Especially when it comes to human interaction and socializing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. One to four is like that. Those are the critical years that you need to be getting your kids socialized with other children and adults and everything. I, mean, I can't if remember. You don't socialize your kid be- before four year. 
can't remember what gonna psych- struggle in life. What psychologist it was, but yeah, you had the whole like all of the steps essentially leading up through your toddler years up until you're about seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And yeah, every single milestone, it's like this is absolutely crucial to how you're going to act later in life as well. Right. And it's very, very difficult to correct. It's kind of crazy. So if you think about that and then expand it out to our age, right? So you tra- change the most drastically, obviously, between the ages of one and four, and then it kind of starts slowing down. But we're still at an age where we're still changing. I mean, every year this I seem to be a new person, huge. but it's it's slowing down. Yeah. I remember having this conversation with my stepdad, and this was when I was in high school, I think. Yeah. Um, where he pretty much said, oh, this was after uh, Kaylee and I broke up. He sat me down, and he's a very stoic kind of person. Yeah. Sat me down, had a deep conversation with me, and he's like, there was two points in my life, my young life, where everything changed. He's like, whether I wanted it to or not. He's like, my whole mindset, everything. He's like, the first was when I went into the Marines. And the second was when I was 25 years old. He's like, those two points changed every single thing. About how I thought, how I acted, who I did things for. He's like, it Past, changes everything. Future, yep. All of it. Well, it's true, man. Well, so... Usually, yeah, it's between the ages of 25 and 28 when you have your, like, last, like, when you start really slowing down and becoming set in your ways. You can, you can put, it, like, this is literally comes down to anatomy, too, uh, the plasticity in our brains, right? Yep. Around 28 years old for most humans on average is when you start hardening, right? Your brain becomes fully grown and it's not as plastic as it was. You can push that off with exercise and being healthy, you know, so, I mean, you can, you can still be rather moldable throughout your years until i mean until you're fucking like 70 yeah as long as you maintain exercise and that and be healthy keep an open mind too right exactly uh it's easier to do that with exercise and maintaining the plasticity of your brain oh yeah But, but so you're changing like mad you know you know physically and mentally between the ages of one and four that starts to slow down just a little bit you know between five and eight and a little bit more you become more of who you are you're 12 to 15 and then after high school that's when you get entered into the world and you're still a little bit malleable and you're still changing year by year at least for me this is what it was each year i was a different person over the last two years now i've kind of been pretty consistent and, you know, the older I get, I know that I'll be more consistent for longer periods of time where it'll get to the point where, like, once I'm 40, I'll be the same way that I am 40 at 40 when I'm 50, other than physical changes and stuff like that. Right. But, but I mean, we're, we're in a really weird time with our age right now where things were changing still yeah. drastically. We're learning new things or finding out new things about life or Just trying to figure it out our own desires and wants and needs are still changing constantly you know so i mean it makes sense that at our age we come across a lot of people who are struggling with life because fuck we don't know man we're babies we're babies you know so of course we're all struggling with shit we don't know what the fuck's going on you start you start looking up the chain too fucking people above you man like this is something i realized with like working with people who are above me at work is uh they also don't know what the fuck's going on no and they got 
20, 30 years on yeah, you. Yeah, right. No one knows what the fuck's going on. We're all just trying to do the best that we can out here. You know? Yeah. The, wild. The older you get, the more you realize no one really has it figured out. <laughs> no, no one has a clue. So, but when I'm, when I was fucking, you know, 23, I wanted to have everything figured out. Oh, yeah. And if I didn't have everything figured out, like I would become so fucking down about it, depressed about it because I wanted to have everything figured out. It's like, no, dude, that's literally no one does. Yeah. The fuck? What but they paint that expectation is that yeah they paint that picture that everybody does have it figured out yeah well yeah, when you you're slowly start to figure it out no one knows yeah well when you're a child i mean you look at your parents you thought they knew everything yeah. about they everything no not clue. in the fucking <laughs> no. world dude they're fucking kids man raising babies yeah and they're probably like god damn we did such a bad job yeah. raising them and then you get older and you're like god they i don't Fuck know how right. i survived with, yeah you're like i have no clue like, how my parents did what they did yeah. you know at the age that they were doing things man with with us kids in particular yeah well again how going back you to, pull this off yeah going back to the plan yeah. like how they had everything planned out it's like fuck they were going off the fucking cuff yeah Just, dude, they had no idea yeah. they had no they're idea. like well fuck hopefully this works hopefully yeah. this doesn't fuck him up yeah and it's funny because i know if i asked him right now how did you guys do it how did you figure it out they'd go i don't fucking know yeah right i don't think they figured anything out <laughs> no. it was just like they're just like you just got older. they found something that worked and it, it just so happened they, 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 they had an informed decision they made an informed decision and it worked essentially but it like they still what didn't know they don't know the outcome of their decisions yeah. they also probably back then i mean this is something i struggle with personally well i'm i'm fucking independent as fuck i have a very hard time reaching out for help when it comes to figuring out situations and i i grew up kind of on my own trying to figure things out uh, this gets back into my childhood but i kind of always have been independent and uh, so I struggle with, like, asking people what they think is the right route to go through. I always try to figure it out on my own. But I'm sure, you know, when you're in a situation where you're fucking 21 and you're trying to raise kids, you're, like, reaching out to your mom about what they did, you know. So, I mean, that's that's another way that you can get through things is reaching out to people who have gone through similar things and talking with them about it. Yeah, you just have to be willing to do it, though. Yeah, Which right. is the hardest step to do. Yeah, for me personally, I, yeah. And that's something that I actually come to more of a realization within the last year. You know, when I was going through that whole uh, trying to commit to everything, I I needed to, like, reach out to people to have them do some things for me or delegate those tasks off or, you know, uh, ask for advice on stuff. I've never been good at it. But I'm coming to realize that it, one of the reasons why I feel like I don't want to ask other people for help is because I feel like it's a burden. Yes, that's a, yeah, I was just about right? to say that. Uh-huh. But what I'm realizing is, you know, when people come to me and ask You don't for feel help, that way at all. <laughs> I feel, it makes me feel so good. Yes. It, it literally makes me feel so good when, when uh, I can help someone out in some way. And uh, so having that realization that that probably makes them feel good too, helps a lot with that. I'm going to answer this real quick. Yo, yo, dragon kid. Oh yeah, we are past Carney right nice. now. Yeah, yeah. So our nice. our ETA is seven twenty one in Gretna. Hey, I think that. No, you're making pretty good time. Yeah. Yeah, you are currently on the podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have the podcast set up in the Tacoma. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what up? Well, hello, podcast world. This is Keith Spong. <laughs> <laughs> you're on. You're also on speaker with Steen and Nate. Hi. Hello. Hi, guys. <laughs> well, I just had family news to share with you, but I really don't want to share podcast oh that's impressive so i can wait to go back okay i will let you know after i drop these guys off i'll give you a call yeah okay fine hope everything's all right everything is all right okay okay sounds good okay okay thank you bye Well, what good. a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I know you are. <laughs> yeah, she just ruined the vibes, dude. I know, she just interrupted <laughs> right at a great part. Mom, just, I hope you're listening to this. Just talking Fuck. just talking about parents. Yeah, literally talking about parents. Speaking <laughs> of the devil. No, man, I got super fortunate. One of the realizations I had with, you know, getting older, you know, with how well I feel like I've turned out, you know, for the most part, a lot of the times, don't get me wrong, I struggle with, with, uh, feeling like I'm adequate and doing a good job at life. That's everybody. Yeah. Though. Everyone does it. Yep. So, but when, when I get into a better state of mind and I actually be like, try to look, well, I don't even have to do it. Sometimes it just hits me in the face with how grateful I am uh, with how I've turned out, come, come to be who I am and looking back at how much, you know, my parents have done for me and influenced me in the ways that they have. And even like my family, extended family around me, how much influence they had and all my friends that I've had throughout my life, how all of those people and all of the things that have been in my life have influenced me into the, into becoming who I am now, you know, it just, it's, it's wild to think about how, how much everyone's done for you yeah, throughout yeah. your life. I feel the same way about my extended family because yeah. there's so many of them too. Mm-hmm. And I could pick out a story from every single one of my aunts and uncles or yeah. cousins yeah. where they've done something to help me or I've helped them. And it's, it's honestly insane. It's wild, bro. Yeah. It's wild. It's hilarious that you say that because as Keith and I were talking about on the way out, mm-hmm. it's the exact opposite with me. Yeah. Yeah. I have none of those. Yeah. Which I'm fine with as we, we discussed as that, yeah. yeah it sounds bad yeah yeah but well it sounds bad when you have two guys in here saying how great it was for them yes yeah but but obviously but you don't know any different so individual too. right but it's still like like the way i explained it was essentially like we're all still there for each other like we're still a family but it's kind of a thing where it's like we're just kind of letting everybody live their life but we're thing. but we will be there if needed mm-hmm. but it's it's not a Fuck, I remember I put it the other day. It was kind of just a thing where it's like, we just kind of let everybody do what the yeah, hell they want to do. But when it, but they, we're all good. Yeah. Yeah. There's and no, when you guys do get together, you guys just laugh and be a family yeah. together. Which yes. I, like we said, was, I think is a very healthy way of going about it with a smaller family like that, you know? And if everyone, if no one is struggling with the fact that their family's not there for them in your family, then you guys are good. Yeah. You guys are in a healthy position and, and, and that's great. I think that's amazing. Yeah, and uh, everyone's different. It's yeah, just absolutely. a twist. Yeah, it's just the it's just, the flip side of life. Yeah, there's flip side. Of yeah, it. there's not one way to fucking live. No, it. no, there's not. And so, I mean, yeah, 
Same yeah. thing with family life and all that. You could have one way, you could have the other way. If they both work, then fuck it, it works. It seems it seems that the good always prevails, right, in life. I don't know why, but it seems like everything always happens and works out. It works out because it's got to. Yeah, because it has to kind of thing, you know. And so there's multiple ways to skin this cat, and it seems to work out. As long as, as, long as you're striving for that, right? I don't know. I'm trying to remember where we were at before this. Essentially, it was um, you were talking about. I just had it and I lost it. One of the realizations that that uh, I had that's really strong one, and this was a ways back in our conversation just now, was you know, you're growing up, your parents, like like we said, whatever they said were the gospel, right? That was like correct, right? One of the realizations that I had was in my older age now is that no one knows what's best for me other than me nowadays. Like it, it is entirely on me now to make the decisions for my life. Yes, I can take inputs and advice, but it is still entirely on me to take all those that advice, take out the pieces that I think are right, and then make the decision and act upon that. That has been one of the biggest and hardest responsibilities that I've had to swallow is that it's entirely up to me to, to uh, be that 50% creator that I need to be to live the life that I want. It's wild, man. You, you can't rely on anybody else to, uh, to do anything for you. You can rely on them to be there when, when well... You can't really rely on anyone to be there for you. I don't know. That's just how I feel. It's kind of, well, maybe that's part of my, my toxic independence. You know, like, that's that's your faith to talking. If we go take it back to faith and love thing, mm. that's your faith about, you have faith in these people there. If, fuck, my mind is fried at this moment, but, yeah, but I'm getting there that's kind of like your faith in, uh, knowing in, that in, in my loved ones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah, they'd be yeah. there for me. Yes. Yeah. You're not uh, relying on it. Not relying, but on you it. are. You are faithful that. Yeah. If if you are in that, in you know, situation. situation, you have faith that they will help you. You're not solely like if they don't help me, I'm fucked. Yeah. But it's like because they've always been there for you. Yes. Yeah, they have been. Yes. I kind of wanted to jump back to when you said that the biggest thing you really struggled with was you felt like you were uh, a burden on people. Yeah. That's, that's always where we were. That's always been my thing. Yeah. For me, and it's mm. probably quite obvious to tell mm-hmm. with me. But that's always been like since I was a child. I can remember way back. I just hate being a burden on people. Well, you and your brother weren't very close, right? No, not growing up. Yeah. So for me, like uh, I was the youngest child out of us three, and I was the annoying younger brother. And so Kyle and Shay struggle with this because we've had conversations about it. They struggle with the fact that they I never got to play with them because they wouldn't let me. And so I had to go do things off on my own and and. Uh, play with myself or like go find people to play with or like find things to do as a child because I couldn't play with my siblings because I was the annoying younger brother, which for me, I love the fact that I'm independent. Like I wouldn't have it any other way. Granted, it can become toxic at at points where like if I need help, I won't reach out. But this is where we were at for my mom called was the fact that when people reach out to you for help, it feels good, right? Yeah. And so having that realization that it probably feels good when I reach out to someone for help, probably feels good for them instead of a burden. Yes. It's helped me a bunch. 
helped me a bunch, uh, allowing people to help because it, every, for most people, most people helping feel so good. Continue. Sorry. Well, no, no, you're good. It, it, for me, it's even like down to the fact like fucking you all, I mean, both of you is fucking so, like if there's like five chairs and there's six of us, I'm never the one to sit in a fucking chair. Yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe just me. Like, I don't know if that's being the feeling of being a burden or something, mm. or if that's just me wanting to take care of the other people. Yeah. Probably both. That's yeah. That's kind of what I think too. But it's even then like, you know, it is hard to reach out and it's hard to, cause you don't want to put baggage on people. But then, like you said, that's never how the other person feels about the fucking thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's that's a very masculine thing. Also. Yeah. It, yeah it just kind of cover up your shit and get through it yeah, sort of thing. Because there is that too. Don't get me wrong. You know, because uh, you also want to be able to handle a lot of that shit on your own. And it's like you're a man. You're not supposed to get the shit. Yeah. Get to get it the which, way you want it. Which sounds kind of toxic, but I mean, it is actually a pretty beneficial thing to do as a man. Yeah. I mean, even as just an individual, no matter your sex, to be able to to handle your own. Yeah. Because there does come a point where people are going to be like, you got to do this on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the same thing with the balance thing. Right back to it. I mean, just figuring you can't out have that, too much of one or the other. Yeah. Figuring out where that line is. Where at. that line is. You know, maybe, maybe if there's five chairs and there's six of you, you know, uh, I don't know. I'm, Pull I'm up the a same way. Chair. Yeah, go find a six chair. <laughs> figure out how to get a, a six seat. Yeah. Instead of just stand there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but that that may be a different issue. I don't know. But but I'm the same way. I'd rather have everyone else sitting and then I'll kneel or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. You know. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's too far. But what's too far is when you're struggling and you cannot get yourself out of it and you refuse to to reach out to someone that's that's too far yeah that's too much you're just refusing to help yourself at that yeah, point. at that point yep mm -hmm. well yeah it's not like a minor issue like me being like oh, i don't care where we go because i don't want to be a, like you know where it's like you don't want to be the guy who goes oh no we're going here no you don't want to be that yeah so then it's like i don't want to be the burden of the guy who is that yeah. sort of thing that's a fucking minus like that's a minuscule issue of well but but it's not so thing. this is actually a really good example because this is another thing that i've uh i've grown to find in myself uh the perfect example was when we were looking for a bar in breckenridge uh like we couldn't figure out where to go and i have always struggled with speaking up when it comes to like putting my ideas out there but uh a lot of the times you like allow other people to put their ideas out there and then that opens up the the path of least resistance for you to put your idea yeah. out there and a lot of the times if you don't put that idea out there i mean a lot of the times i never put that idea out there just be quiet and just go with the flow but then you find when you do speak up and you say something like why don't we just go back to the place where we got food from yeah turns out it was a great idea yeah yeah it's so sometimes i mean that may be like a personal trust issue it's like that ah, could my, be my you don't ideas, want to fuck it up my ideas are, are not good enough yeah. yeah you don't trust yourself enough to have a good idea i'm gonna end up to, picking a shit no, spot that right, everyone's exactly. gonna be gonna mad. hate it yeah. yeah or like uh uh like uh it's probably also like uh uh what's it called what's the word i'm looking for like if you go to that if it's your idea you go to that spot and no one likes it then you're kind of like uh 
you feel almost like you're kind of a buzzkill other thing. You're kind of like not a buzzkill. That's also a bad way to say it. You just feel yeah, you're on the right track. I'm trying to think of the word. Yeah. You, you, it's just rejection. A, it's yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. a rejection yeah. feeling. Yeah. It's well, more we're like never like, going to let him fucking pick it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, well, he fucking picked the shittiest spot last time. Yeah, you're right. never going to listen to that fucker. Right. And so, so you're, uh, you're, you don't even speak up because you want to avoid that. But I mean, you, that's another one of those things where you just got to accept. Sometimes you're going to get it right. Sometimes you're going to And then a year down from the line, nobody fucking gives a fuck. No that one you gives a, a shitty shit. restaurant. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. Not out. even a year, about yeah. two days. Two days. Yeah. Yeah. And then, if like, any, or if anything, it's a funny joke after that. It's like, dude, do you remember when you took us that shitty fucking yeah. sushi place yeah. and it was ass? Yeah, that right. was fucking hilarious. <laughs> right, You're like, right. oh, fuck, that place was yeah, terrible. You read too much in. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, Steve Rinella always said, like when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, he was talking about how like sometimes the best memories with the people that you care about are in the shittiest of situations. Mm. But the fact that you were doing it together and you're able to make light out of the shitty of situation, yeah. those are the fucking like moments in the stories that are always the best. Yeah, right. Like the, the stories that are usually the worst are when it's like a great situation, like not the worst, but like when it's a great situation, you still have a good time. And everything goes to plan. Yeah. Yeah. But when you struggle together. You don't really like, tell those stories. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, it's when you're working with people. Yeah. And it's like, God, this shit sucks. But at least yeah. it sucks. But I'm with people who also think it sucks. So you have that bond there. Right. Where even then you could still look back and be like, dude, do you remember that fucking job that we did? Yeah, where we were sweating our cocks off and I almost got electrocuted twice? Yeah, like shit like that. There's something about uh, like getting together or like getting through a difficult time with a group of people that we fucking love. That's just we human. That's just that humans. Shit. I think as a whole going, right. going well, back to the cavemen. It's like, fuck, right. we made like fire, a, dog. We yeah, didn't like have fire for a while. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing with life. Life is literally like, a challenge. Life is literally a struggle, and we're trying to all get through it together. Yeah, like back then, they were fucking starving. They finally kill a deer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy shit, now we can eat. But we were starving and freezing our fucking asses off, and we finally got a deer. Yes. Yeah, it's that same fucking feeling. And that then you'll tell mistake. that story about how you got this fucking deer with yeah, these fucking right. people, and you'll never how forget this it. This guy's the greatest hunter because he fed all the family. And you will never forget it. Yeah, right. Like, same thing with like, and it's pressure washing, which again, that's the future of just where we're at not being. In a shitty situation, but it's like if I'm out and it's like 105 and I work for like 14 hours just cooking in the sun, mm-hmm. but then like I was working with Nate's dad and it was like after that, it was like, fuck, that sucked. But then it was like, but fuck, we did it. <laughs> and it was still a funny story to this day because then you find funny shit about it where it's like, did you yeah. see that fucking idiot who was yeah. driving around or whatever, you know? And you just build off of that. I think that, I think that's very, uh, a very true thing. I never really thought about it that way. But again, like you think of like a shitty camping situation or something where it's like, yeah. We were, it was pissing rain on us all week, couldn't do anything, whatever, but we were playing cards or something. Yeah. And you'll remember that card game forever. Forever. Yeah. Fuck, you beat me on, we were playing Texas Hold'em, you beat me with a fucking flush, and I had a, you know, downpouring fucking rain. Now we'd playing this camping trip for months. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just. But it almost ended up better than it could have ended up if yeah. it was picture perfect. Yeah, exactly. Well, you don't ever tell the picture perfect stories. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, we went camping. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man fucking back to like the the like making like decisions or like going to find another chair i mean it just that comes down to not wanting to like being accepting a failure you know what i mean like being like so if you say let's go to this place and no one wants to go to that place just being accepting of that and willing to take that chance yeah right and then just letting it bounce off your shoulder you know, and it's almost like the more times you do that, the more comfortable comfortable you get, you get doing yeah, it, and then it's just easy exactly. to do. 
You get and it's more, like, all right, well, fuck, I fucked that one up. Sorry, boys. <laughs> you get more comfortable with yeah. the fact that you're going to fail. Yeah. Just yeah, like right. I said earlier, you have to fail. You're you going to fail to. a lot. Yeah, a lot. It's even like to a rudimentary level of like, if you show somebody a song and they think it sucks cock, yeah. <laughs> like it's the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. But all it's like, fuck, down. I like it, you know? And then that expands all the way out. I mean, literally most of your life, you're going to fucking fail. Yeah. Almost all the time. You're just failing constantly. But it's the one little win, yeah. you know, that progresses you. Mm-hmm. Just like gamblers. Just takes so, one yeah, time. Yeah. So what we're saying is <laughs> you, you take gotta... all your life savings and put it on black yeah, right, at the nearest right. casino. And guess what? If you fail, you just build up that savings again and go right back. <laughs> and you right. put it on red this time. <laughs> life is a massive gamble, bro. It really is. Fuck You're going to fail most of the time. So yep. going back to the kids and raising kids, parenting, all of that. One thing I've always wondered, because you could debate this anyway. When, if you... So when you have kids, right, would, would you go public, private, or homeschool? And obviously, I think I know the answer for both of you, because there's pluses and minuses to both. To all three. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think you would do? Granted, this is talking now, not at the age where you'd have to make that decision. You talking know? right now. Yes. What, what do you think you would do, given the uh, trajectory of where you think things are going with education and the world in general, what do you think you would do with your children? Granted, it would be a case-to-case basis with the kid, I guess. Yeah, of course. But just speaking of generality here, what would you do? What do you guys think you would do, both of you? Public school. Yep. 100%. That's what I think, too. Yep. Because you no, learn so no. much about just human behavior. Yes, in life. From a public school, you get kind of sheltered. Yes. In both private and and in uh, homeschool. And in homeschool, homeschool even more. I have some issues right now with the education system. I do and as well. Some of the things that are being taught, but that comes down to good parenting, because that's when you uh, correct that. You don't let the school raise your kid for you. Yes, you do not. Okay. Yeah. So that comes down to parenting. I would still choose public school just because public school is very beneficial to me, and when I see other kids around me that grew up in a private school or in a in a homeschooling situation they're much more sheltered less uh extroverted less socially um socially attuned they didn't start the same social like skills they don't they didn't build the same social skills yeah. that you did they don't get a look at those different perspectives yes, at all. they never right. learn it right they they're in their get, little box they don't yeah. get the diversity that you get out of the yep. public school because i saw box. i saw true kids that were fucking their parents are millionaires mm-hmm. Or these people literally have, have no nothing money. and I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, I could be doing worse. I could be doing better, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That middle of the road seems to be the best place to be. Yeah. Now, now don't get me wrong. I have some really close uh, homeschooled friends from work that are amazing people and I love both of them. And so it's the same thing. There's many ways to skin a cat. There's many right right ways to get through life. Because, again, it depends on the kid, honestly. Right. Like, I think there's some situations where, depending on the kid you have, like one of the, like, one of the three will stand out as the better choice. Mm-hmm. Now, so, like, so really, it all comes down to good parenting. Yes. I mean, because cause, I with mean, all even, three. With all three. Even with the homeschooling, like if you're homeschooling your kid, you can have the realization that, you know, this – they're not going to have the social opportunities that a public school kid would get. And then finding those and putting your kid into those situations so they become more socialized. And then same thing with like private school where it's like they don't get the diversity that you would get out of a public school and then putting your kid into that situation so that they could have that well-roundedness. I mean, but 
but not a lot of people aim for well-roundedness. That's one of my aims in life. I, for some reason, have become, I find myself to be weather rather well-rounded. And for some reason, I find that to be an admirable goal. So that's something that I aim at and would like my kids to have. It seems to be a good skill to be able to. More of a jack of all trades, not a master of one or something like that. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. Yeah. I have a issue with that. I I think that, that you have to master something, uh, to have the appreciation for all the other trades that, that, so like for me, like I grew up doing a bunch of different things, you know? And so it's nice to have that wide variety of skills, but, but I don't have an appreciation of any of them because I never had to master any of them. Now I'm mastering my electrical trade. That is the pursuit that I'm on. That's actually made me not want to do mechanical work because I'm like, well, actually like I have a base level of it and like, I'd rather allow the person who's mastered it to do it. But that's kind of getting off of where we were originally at. Oh yeah. So back to the school thing, I guess. I think, I think it, for me, it would be public school because I have the aim of wanting my kids to have a well-rounded childhood and it comes down to, you know, just paying really close attention to the child's individualism, as well as paying really close attention to the school that you have put them in and what they're teaching and whether you agree with it or whether it sits right with you or whatever it is. And then correcting where it needs to be, you know, it's, it's really about paying attention to the kid and, and the parenting, but I think public school would be my choice for sure. What do you think there, Nate? Definitely public school. Uh, Same reasons or? Yeah, pretty much. I, I think it gives you, like I said, more perspective of where everybody grew up, how people grow up and realize that not everybody is just like you. Yeah. It gets you, you have a more. I don't know, worldly sort of view, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, a more just diverse see. sort of palette um, just for any situation that you're going to be put in. And like definitely makes you more street smart, things like that. Like, because mm-hmm. there's so many things in private school that you would never learn if you like, as opposed to going to a public school, just interacting with people from all different walks of life and everything like that, different situations. And then, yeah, it's like, obviously it's, crucial to learn whatever curriculum that they're teaching in school even if you don't agree with it just again to get a more broad perspective on everything and how people look at things and then you can kind of make decisions for yourself as well i figured you guys go public school but i was just wondering because i was thinking about that the other day at work and i was like i i don't know what i do a good public school yes i'll say that yeah like millard i would 100 percent send my kids to which is why Everybody wants to send their kids to a Millard school well, as yeah, opposed to And that's the thing is like Millard, Elkhorn and Gretna and Papillion, they're some of the best in the nation for public schools. They really are. Mm-hmm. That's why so many people come to Nebraska to raise families because it's, it's almost one of the most neutral places as opposed to if I go to Chicago or New York or LA or, yeah, California. And, they're, yeah. and they're in a public school, it could be extremely skewed just like in the deep South where they're going to have extreme opinions one way or another. Whereas I feel Omaha in general is pretty neutral and they're not going to step too much in either direction. They're just going to tell you straight up what it is. Well, it's even like, if you look at how like the voting works, mm-hmm. like we have like the unicameral or is that what it's called? Yeah, where like it splits up and like, yeah, like 
usually one half goes Democrat, the other one goes Republican. It's kind of like that's why Nebraska is interesting to me. It's the same. Like, yeah, it's it's literally just the most neutral, one of the more neutral sites, I think. Yeah, uh, to really like foster the best of both worlds, the best of un- yeah, the best understanding of most parties that you will ever come to face with in your day to day life. And I think that's why most people. We can like at least a lot of people that I've interacted with growing up, I can have a good conversation about things like that with yeah. them yeah. for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously people that are just super uneducated and they're going to have strong opinions either way. But I feel like we have a lot less of that living in Omaha or Lincoln. So. I don't know what with, with, with the uh, deciding a school for your child, I think you're very right. And I think you could tell pretty early on. And that's what I think is development. Well whether yeah. what's going to be right for them so like say let's take for example my my sister's nephew or my sister's my sister so my nephew my sister's uh foster kid dom he's 11. Uh, a private school would be very beneficial for him just because he's like super rationally minded just it just innately rationally minded scientifically minded and like he'll probably that's where his interests lie and that's where he'll probably pursue some type of science or something like that. Right? You're helping so, them get ahead at that and point. And help right? gain so, the most from so, that. Yeah. Right. So like a private school would be good because it's going to get, you know, tailored to that. And won't have know. some jackass kid who's like interrupting class or whatever when he's right. trying to. So like you probably won't be very like a very social dude later in life and he'll probably be more invested in his work and stuff like that. And you can tell those things from a kid at a very young yeah, absolutely. age. Absolutely. You know, so that it really, it'll come down to in the moment it'll be a game time decision absolutely you just gotta pay attention to what's going on yeah because if they're mentally far more mature than the kids that they're around yeah and the curriculum that they're teaching Mm -hmm. or being taught Mm -hmm. it's not going to be beneficial for them at all right exactly and that's also where you start to see kids getting in trouble and things like that because they get bored exactly like this is incredibly mm -hmm. rudimentary stuff to that one saying that's exactly his case idle Idle time is the devil's playground or something. I don't know. I don't mind. Something like, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I don't mind. Are the devil's playground? Yeah. Damn, I like that. Yeah, because it's true. Yeah. So well, that's, yeah, because they're fucking sitting in class, all their shit's already done, and they're yeah. like, "This is ridiculous. this is a waste of my fucking time." Yeah. yeah. It's not but if you send them to a school where they're actually, actually going to yes. push them, one, they're going to like it more. It might be hard, even for very gifted kids, but they're going to get way more out of it. Yeah. Right. And they don't necessarily need that. Um, exposure to all these other different people i mean you do to some extent yeah for sure but if that's not really how they are and they kind of can realize hey i'm not going to be like this kid then definitely send them somewhere that's going to be more beneficial Mm -hmm. or it's like some like for homeschooling or whatever like there are some people who like their kids are just naturally gifted like athletes artists just naturally gifted like that so it's like you can homeschool and teach them all that but if you want them to like actually pursue those sorts of things it's much easier if you can set your own curriculum up but you that homeschooling requires you to be a fucking excellent parent i feel like yeah oh like you God. have to be like yep. and a you have like, to be a special person yeah to do, to do yes. correctly yeah because you could fuck that up so many different fucking yeah, ways you have to so be a, bad a parent and a teacher at the same time you have to be able to discern between the two yes. at any given point yep and so then like that's the difficult part with that one and I yeah. would not want to do that. I, I don't yeah. think I would want to either. I'd be good at it. Would but, I be good at it? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm agreeing with both of you. I figured that's where you guys were gonna think, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was just thinking about the other day, and I was like, I had this conversation with my cousin the other day because his 
he was talking to me about the problems that the United States education system has because he's been out of the country and whatnot and how he's nervous about it. I think I think we our education system does well enough, but it could be doing so much better, I think. Yeah, and I yeah. think parenting could be a lot better too. Absolutely. Uh, no offense to any of the parents out there. I understand that it's a very hard job, but fucking There are some words it's you, brutal. Yes. I have a I have a hard time with it. it. They rely on the school to raise their kids for them mm-hmm. instead of raising them themselves and then sending them to school well and, and when i said earlier like correcting what your kid learned learned at school it's not it's not even that what the proper route forward through a situation like that if you if you feel like your kid is being taught something that you don't align with the the proper route forward through that is giving them the other perspective and yeah, allowing them to make their own decision make their own decision uh, and the, but that's one of the issues that my cousin has and i see it too in the education system is uh kids are being taught what to think, not how to think. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a common thing that you hear all the time, but it's true. I think it's very true. I mean, I don't have any kids in the education system, so I can't really give a. It's just a one, very one size fits all. Yeah. So, but whereas it shouldn't be like that. Uh, but I think that's the parents' responsibility. I mean, I think what the the schools are supposed to do is teach the kids what we know, and then the parents are supposed to take on the responsibility of walking them on how to decide what they think is correct. And how to think on their own. I don't know. I don't know but the thing, the responsibility of the school or not. Another thing that I think of, though, too, about public schools is the impact that certain teachers have had on my life. Yes, yeah. absolutely. For and sure. And that is absolutely crucial. I mean, you can remember their names and their oh, faces to yeah. this day. Miss mm-hmm. Martin. Yeah. Mr. Kinsel. Yeah. Um, in, um, in college, my physiology professor, Dr. Hansen, I literally sent her an email months later when Mitch and I were playing the Spark game. And it said, reach out to somebody and tell them like someone that has impacted your life. So I did it for that card. And I sent her like this long email saying how inspirational she was to me and how much she helped me. Oh, that's amazing. And I even told her, I was like, I got a C in your class, but I learned more from your class and what you were going through than I learned in probably the other four years of my college combined. Yeah. I was like, that was, it was fucking insane. Her mom died like three weeks into the class and she came every single day. She never stopped. Yeah. She was in the hospital room doing a Zoom session with us when she was days away from dying. I was like, that's fucking incredible. Yeah, that's wild. And she brought 110% every day. Mm-hmm. Like for that shit alone, I'm like, yeah, my kids need to go to a school where someone's going to have an impact like that. Like that. Yeah. And that's not even just like the education side. That's the human side. That's just teaching. That's, yeah. that's like the you same could, street. You could tell she that. wanted yes. to help like, every yeah. single one of us. Mm-hmm. I'm like that's, it's amazing. Yeah, I I think it's kind of a travesty, honestly, that a lot of those teachers will never really know the impact they've had on people. Like, That's why people I, I reached it. out. I'm like, I got I got to say something to her. She was incredible, which is awesome. So I think, I mean, granted, I think teachers are taking it for granted quite often. Oh yeah, in this country, mm-hmm. like, that's another fucked up thing. They, they don't get, get paid into. nearly enough is what they should be. I think. Obviously, uh, for every good teacher there is, there's always a shitty one, mm-hmm. and like. The problem with the pay thing, and that's been a big thing for a little while, and I used to think that way too, but that would change the way that teachers were. The, I guess when, that's true. When you're not getting paid that much, it, you're, it's a special, a love thing. you're a special person yeah. to yep. be in that position. You actually truly love and Those are that. the people that are inspirational. Okay, yeah. You that's why I mean? the vast majority of teachers I run into, they truly want to be there exactly. and they're extremely helpful. Exactly, and they have a desire to do it. So, I mean, changing the pay would change. It's so sad to say, and I'm so sorry for all the teachers out there, but... But it's true. I mean, that's that's how you get those kinds of people in those positions. It, it becomes a job of service, a job of love. 
yeah. for those kids. Otherwise, it changes the whole motive of a lot of people. It changes the whole motive, and then you get people in there that are just there for the pay, and they don't give a shit about those kids. Yeah. They'll pass oh. everybody if it means they get more money from exactly. it. Exactly. And there are still teachers who do that. Oh, still, yeah. yeah but totally. again, like the... Yeah, it, yeah, I agree with that. There'd yeah. be a lot less of the like superstar teachers that mm-hmm. actually... Instead of not only are they teaching you like algebra or English or whatever, they're actually teaching you life lessons. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's the most important shit. And some of them will never really understand the true impact they've had. Yeah. Until it's like, you know, they get every now and again, but in reality. And for them, I mean, for those special teachers like that, that is their payment is is knowing that, that they're impacting these kids' lives in that kind of way. Exactly. Which and is it's, fucking beautiful, man. It's a beautiful fucking it is. way. Of I always, life. always love giving back to them if I can. Yeah. We had, it was, uh, she hadn't even passed yet, but we all got um, that same teacher. Every single one of us, like in the Zoom thing, we like started our own Zoom and everyone uh, figured out how to put money together. And we got her all these gift cards, flowers and everything. And we brought it to class before she showed up one day. Mm-hmm. And we had it all ready for her. And she was just bawling. Yeah, crying. Yeah, Fuck, I would too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I think half the class was crying. We were like, damn. But she deserved it. That's, I don't know. I think that's what. So this is one of the realizations that I've had just recently. Is I think the correct pursuit out of life. You know, everyone's always talking about the pursuit of happiness. And like, that's what they're after. Yeah. But the thing about happiness is it's, it's a momentary thing. I mean, happiness isn't sustainable and doesn't last. It, it, you, know, you get happiness in moments. So it's not, it's not really something you can chase after. You know, it's kind of something that's a byproduct of, of your actions. You just receive it as a gift. It's not really, it's not really something you can attain. Right? Yeah, it's not a state of being. No, I, I, think, I think for me, I, my, I think the correct pursuit is wholeness. That's why I use that that word a lot this weekend it was, it was such a whole whole wholesome um trip that we just took oh yeah for some reason wholesomeness brings me happiness and so chasing and pursuing wholesomeness may be a better maybe a better pursuit for me to aim at better avenue to yeah, yeah to, to give me the life that i'm after i mean meaningfulness is another word people will use but i think wholesomeness is what I'm after. And that's like, that's like when you like are learning about psychology, like actualization, you yeah. know, that's like turning on all the parts of who you are. Oh, you think about that. That's becoming whole. You're becoming, you're becoming you one are, with yourself. Essentially. Whole, whole, yeah. you're becoming whole. So wholesomeness, I think is a, a term that I think I want to pursue the wholesomeness. For some reason, that was like within the last two months, wholesomeness became in my line of sight of something to chase after. Like wholesome, wholesome experiences with your family and with your friends um, and whatever that means. I don't really know how to define wholesomeness. What? But you know it when you get it. Yeah. Sort of it feels it's, so all, wholesome. it's all subjective though too. Yeah. yeah. It's like it everything is. else. That's because we're all so individual. Yeah. You, know, you can't take that out of it. Cause yeah, one thing that I could, I do or whatever could make me the happiest person in the world in that moment, but for somebody else, they might hate it. It really just depends. Oh, 
One but thing I, that's yeah, that's ahead. sad is that I know there's almost nobody having conversations like this anymore. They don't even think about things like this at all. No, I would like to think differently. I, I think maybe not on like a grandiose scale, but I would like to think that like in settings like this or something like that, yeah, not recorded or something, stuff. but maybe yeah. it's just, you know, just, right. just maybe not like, you know, fucking eight hours of conversation, <laughs> but I would like to think that like other friend groups and other people would share their feelings about certain things and what's going on with them and what they think is what they need to do and yeah. their pitfalls and their victories in life. I think that that's like, kind of just how humans get by, I think. Just having discussion. Because well, it's hard to be alone in this fucking world because it's hard to fucking get through it. I, I think it's a necessity. I yeah. mean, I know it is for me. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I did this podcasting, you know. And I really hope this fucking chip is recording, by the way. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because this has been great. And these are the conversations that I'm after. I mean, when, when we're recording podcasts, uh, sometimes we don't even get into depths like this. But I want, I haven't even been paying attention to the fact that the microphones are recording having yeah. this conversation, you know, because what I, what I wanted out of it was just to have these for my personal self, but then it's also like, might as well post them if they're any good, you know, but I would also like to think that people are having conversations like this with the people that are around them, but I don't, I don't know if it happens as often as it needs to. It's one of the issues where I think that our, our, our generation is struggling with mental health issues. A lot of people are afraid of it. I think it. a lot of people get jaded. A lot of people are afraid of it. A lot of people are distracting themselves from it. Yep. I, I think some people get jaded. Jaded. I think, I think it's like, you know, they try to have these conversations, but they never go fruitfully because they try to go at it from the wrong perspective or something. Like, or they're not honest about it. Yeah, that or like, you know, they've had a bad experience talking to somebody like Nate was saying, where it was like somebody who thinks they know it all and aren't open to actually hearing from a different perspective and sure. actually not just listening to it but also taking I, it to heart and maybe reevaluating what they're doing based on the conversations that are being had not just talking into the air letting it fucking float away yeah. maybe taking the valuable bits and pieces using it in your own life and then maybe like you're saying spread the wave and building and, from yeah the, build off of it with people that you care about and want them to use those values as well that you've learned and then maybe they can give you something that they've learned and then you build off of that and you know and some people it's not even worth your breath to have these conversations exactly. with them and that's what frustrates that's kind of what I'm, yeah yep it's exactly what you're saying if you find yourself in a conversation with someone who is not listening to you stop talking to them mm-hmm. stop talking to them you're wasting they, your fucking breath yeah or they just want to change your mind yeah have you think that's what, what i think, think is the biggest thing about society as a whole now mm-hmm. it's not putting together a collective it's a herd mentality. Yeah, it's it's, oh, it's yeah. more my side versus yours now. Yeah. Now, especially like in this country, it's more like that now than ever, I feel like. And maybe that's just the media kind of portraying it that way. But I do actually, I, I see it not as often as the media would portray, but it's definitely there. Yeah. And it's so sad. With people that are around you. Yeah. Because you're just able nowadays to just stick in your little, ec- in like an echo chamber where you think everything that you say is right and you're trying to get them to, to not, you're not, you're not trying to hear their side. You're trying to just make sure you get your points across. Yeah. And be like, well, I fucking tried to help them, but you're they not, weren't open to it. Where in reality, you weren't gaining were, yes, anything. Yes, nothing. Like such a waste. Waste of time, energy, yeah. brain power, everything. One, so for a conversation, for a genuine good conversation, there's two parts. There's yep. the talking part and there's the listening part. And they're both equally, um, equally important. I mean, listening may be even more important. I, I would honest. say so. Yeah. It really might be. And I mean, people struggle with listening. It's very hard to actually listen. 
to someone, especially with the attention spans now too. Yeah, it's another issue that plays <laughs> into. We have a lot of things holding us down from having good, genuine conversations. We really do. We got a, a lot of distractions. We got a lot of egoism or egotistical thinking going on. We have uh, the. Well, I had it. I forgot it. We just said it, but there's a lot of things holding us down from having genuine conversations, but listening is the biggest part. The biggest skill that's ever been mm-hmm. lost. Well, not lost, but it's not as prevalent. Yes. People nowadays. don't like to listen. Yes. Then. They just like to talk. Mm-hmm. They feel that their opinion trumps everyone else's. Everyone it's easy. needs to think like them. Well, and it's easy to think like that, right? Because, I mean, you have front row view to your own thoughts and your own ideas and whatnot. So, I mean, it's easy to... To think that your your right. way is the right way, yeah, right. But yeah, but that comes with that open mindedness of of realizing that you don't know shit. Yeah. You don't know nothing. I'm willing to change my mind. Yeah, right. On a lot of things, if given the proper yeah. like, if I actual agree. information that's actually something that I could use to, or yeah, or we can agree to disagree, which I think is also a lost art that no one does. That, that. has been yeah. lost over the last. I don't know how many years I've been around that long, but it seems, according to my mom, when I've talked to her about it, like, like when, again, we talked about it earlier, but like, Bailey, when she helped us at the fucking, uh, in Mount Crescent, she was like, the kindness of, she's like, that's so sad. And I go, why? Well, it's sad because that's just how it was. You help people out, not because you were going to gain anything, but you're just helping your neighbor, not neighbor, but helping the human next to you because it's a human. Yeah, right. Instead of just being like, you know, everyone is hyper fixated on themselves and what is what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't really think about anyone else or how their actions impact others. Which is like you said, well, or like your mom. I said, think there's been a lot sad. of, I think there's been a lot of lost arts when it comes to, uh, humans being able to communicate. But I think we're hitting fully. on it, talking about listening. Yes. Cause yeah. I, I think that, that, I mean, I, learned that from jordan peterson but i've always liked to listen it's something that i've always kind of liked to do uh but listening is is huge for that if you could if you could learn to actually listen to someone talk and they'll tell you a bunch of shit i mean that's why i find myself in random conversations in bars because when someone's talking to me at a bar i'll listen to them and then they'll tell me their whole fucking life story because i'm actually like one of the first persons that they've come across that is actually listening to them you know and that's which is sad. Which is sad. It's, it's, it's so great sad. that that's happening. The, 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 the that per- it hap- it's great that it's happening at all. But it's sad that it takes a random person at a bar to be able to get. Yeah, get that out. Yes. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the perfect example is that one girl told me all about her foster life yeah. that she lived through and traveled everywhere. Just randomly at JJ's. That's who I'm thinking of talking about this. But I, I found myself in that situation a lot. But, but that is a symptom of listening is getting into conversations like this that aren't being had as much as we think they should is because listening is, is crucial. And for some reason we've lost that completely. Learn to listen, learn to listen to people talk. You can find yourselves in some fucking amazing places. Like I get only helping yourself, but helping other people. Like I get, I got jaded to politics a long time ago because I was just like, nothing fruitful ever comes from it nowadays. Mm-hmm. And even back in the day, there were disagreements and, you know, maybe it was like, you know, those are off the table, whatever. It's so much worse now. But it's like, yeah, it, so it's bad. just, it just seems like, you know, nobody listens to anybody anymore. No, There's no, 
maybe they are right. Maybe I am wrong sort of situation. It is, it is a giant cock block on both sides. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, a cock block for it's, progress. It's a yeah. dick measuring competition yeah. for no reason at all. And yeah. it's like, do you, do you actually want change? No, you just want to be right. Be one up on the other guy. Yeah, you want to crush the other person. It's just, and that's such a pit fucking, each other. It's a vile thing to do. Yeah, you it pit is. people against each other over things that truly don't matter. When in the end, you both just want what's right, or you want to do things that are you think are going to benefit the most people. Well, and, and which at the root of it, I think, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there, I, I'm sure there's a percentage of people that don't feel this way, but I think at the the root of everybody when they talk about things that they care about and they aren't listening to their person, at the very heart of it all, it's they truly believe. That it's the best way to help people. Yeah. But then they aren't open to that discussion, listening, conversation. Yeah, like, I would like, like to like think. Here's my idea on it. Yeah, now. go. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, they oh, won't, they wouldn't even listen to it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I heard your side. Now here's my side. I would like to think at the heart of it, everybody wants the best for everybody. Yeah. I would, li- I would mm-hmm. like to think that that is what people want to do because I think that truly. Like that's obviously a big moral question. Are people born bad or good or in the middle? And it just depends on what happens. So like that sort of thing. But I truly believe that everybody does at the heart. They do. Yeah. Does the things that they do because they think it's right. Yes. Everyone does do that. Even Hitler did that. Yeah. And I mean, we all know how awful that is, yeah. but he did that because he thought he was doing good. Yes. I mean, the, the, the saying is, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yes. Because literally everything that, I mean, I know it's true for me. Everything I do, I, for the most part, do it because I think it's good, right? Uh, where, where, where was I going with that? I'm starting to get tired. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, a good intent, like everybody has, you'd like, I'd like to think everybody has good intentions. Right. And like their thoughts are pure and they think that it's the best. But instead of now having a conversation about what's truly best and hearing from both sides, it's like, no, this is what's best. Here's, I'm here's, gonna tell you how. Here's the thing too: nobody is willing to admit that they're wrong anymore. That's the toughest thing to get. They will not do that. it. No, and it's like it hurts their ego so much. It even, does. Even when they know they're completely in the wrong, to just own up to it. But it's like you could learn so much if, if you, you just, just admitted it. it and listened to the other person. Right. That's where you learn. Yep. That's literally where you learn, and that's that's what we. And you don't even have to decided. agree with it, no. but you could still be wrong. You gain yeah. more from a loss in most cases than yeah, you actually, ever would have in a win. Yeah, yep. you're helping yourself in that, and and opening yourself up to listening to people because they're gonna fill in the spots of your ideas that are wrong. You know, that's literally what you're doing. So, like back with the politics, things they're cock blocking themselves. Yeah. By just trying to crush the other person with their ideas. You know, it's like you could have used the same energy for you trying to crush them. You could use the exact same energy to work to, together to reach a common. Yeah. And again, you don't have to agree. That's the beautiful fucking thing about life. You don't have to fucking agree. No, but at least you can respect their viewpoint. Well, and respect. Yeah. And there will also be parts in there that will strengthen your ideas. Yes, absolutely. You can take from them that will strengthen your ideas. You, you can know? grow together as well. Yeah, right. Which is what it should be. But again, like we've been saying, it's kind of. Yeah, so what is what is the cause of fucking people not listening? Did we just lose sight of that? That's I think, the correct route forward. I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's people I think are distracted. People, that's, yes, yeah, people uh, have a hard time fucking letting their ideas go. I mean, just innately, we're like that. I think a big thing for me, it's like seeing somebody as a an equal mm-hmm. human being. I think mm-hmm. that's an art. That not an art. It's just 
I think that's a, a realization, a more a moral thing with this country, because I know it th- we know it the best, I guess. But like in this country, it's almost like morally you don't see somebody who is different from you, like spiritually, thought wise. You don't see them as an equal anymore. It's almost like, oh, well, now you're my enemy. Now I have to prove you wrong, sort of thing. Yeah, now it's like maybe that's not what I'm trying to get at, but I think it's kind of a thing where it's it's easy to see someone as below you, I guess. I don't. I'm not. I don't know. I don't even put it the right way. I think it's. I guess I just. For me, I don't understand that. But what? but I have a like a humanist view yes. on people. When I see someone else, I see us as like a species, as like uh, uh, the same thing, just because we are humans. It's literally we're the same fucking thing. But then it's like in a big city, like you were saying, mm-hmm. like from the small town, you know everybody by their fucking pickup or their car. Yeah. And you wave to them. They know you. You know them. And that's human. That's community. That's fucking everything. It's a more personal thing. Yes. And then you get to a big city. You don't know everybody. And it's like, you know, you don't do the same friendly gestures that you would have done. Back home. Yes. And it just changes the whole perception of things, I feel like. So for me, going out to Chicago, it didn't change the fact that, like, those homeless people, you know, it didn't change the fact that I saw them as humans. I struggled with it, man, uh, you know, because I got socialized into not giving them attention, you know, looking past them. But it didn't change the fact that I thought they were humans. It didn't change that for me. There's in a I, bad situation. Yeah, and so I, I, I still feel really bad for them. But, but for some reason, I had to not look at them and not give them any attention because that's just how I had to get through living in that city. Now, Now, I do still agree that, Living in the city is not right for me personally, you know, because of that. Um, is it an issue at large? Probably. That could be stemming from there. I think it's part of the puzzle, maybe. But also comes down to personal, though. Yeah, it's a personal thing. Everything comes down to the individual level, man. Everything fucking comes right back to that individual level. Like, I, I also... I have more of that humanist sort of view. Mm-hmm. And also working at Costco, it's really interesting because we get the most wide range of people, like from every walk of life, I will see every single day. Yeah, I will see people from all over the world. Like yeah. a good example. And I, I told Becca and Mitch about this too, just because it was one of those, like we said, wholesome experiences. So this guy came in, didn't have a membership. And my supervisor was like, he's just got to get one thing of oil. Like, we're going to get him through. And I was like, well, I can go show him where it's at because he wasn't sure which one to get. So I looked up his car, figured out where it was. He had just moved here. He was in uh, London for a couple months and he was from Tajikistan. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I've only been here two weeks. He's like, I didn't know you had to have a membership. I was like, no, dude, it's all good. And I like was the first one after he told me after the fact that welcomed him here. And he was like, that's. He's like, that's awesome. He's like, no one, no one has said that to me since I've been here. And I was like, no, dude, I, absolutely fucking here, dude. Yeah. yeah, this is awesome. He was super, super cool. Yeah. It's been cool to hear your story and where yeah. you're from, and just like seeing him light up too. When yeah. I said it, I'm like, that made me feel so good. So good, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just helping people, right? That's a proper uh, perspective to take on other humans, man. Is that they're fucking other human? Yeah, literally. Or I it's mean, like it when, feels good. Or it's like when that old lady. That was when I pressure washed those buses. Yeah. And like I hadn't seen her in a couple of weeks. And then I like see her and she goes, you know, I'm just happy you're here today. I haven't seen you in a long time. 
I'm happy you're here. Fucking almost made me cry. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Uh, that's human interaction as it yeah, should be. Right. At the best, best, that's like, if every interaction was like that, not everyone, I guess, because then, you know, but still. Yeah, because there's that balance there, yeah, too. But I couldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, it wouldn't, feel, I wouldn't have almost cried if that's yeah. how it was always. Yeah, right. But then also, like, does it have to be so far and in few and far in between? In between, no. But then I, I think that's the counterbalance, and this probably all stems from the technology that we were talking about earlier. Probably really does. We're losing that human connection for a little while right now. I really think that it's probably just a blimp on the road. I was going to say, I think it's going to rebound. Like, I think so too. I think, I think we're going to realize that, you know, hey, like this is an issue and we need to, I mean, we're going to do the research. I think I have faith that humans are curious fucking creatures and are going to want to know what the effects are that the internet and all this technology is having on us. And one of them is probably the fact that we're becoming very egotistical and no one listens and and no one has these kinds of conversations anymore no one's personable no one's no one views humanity or other people as other people all they fucking care about is themselves right you know that research is going to come out and then we're gonna you know take that into account and hopefully correct things and sway back the other way that's why i'm i'm really interested to see the next 15 20 years when all of the old politicians start dying yeah it'll be people like us in <laughs> office yeah so it's like it's kind of scary yeah. but at the same time if you get people like us or that at least think somewhat like us or open they could actually make a very very positive mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. and affect that's scary everyone's me, dude. Life. <laughs> that's it's scary it is fuck. scary but it's I coming don't like that is, <laughs> oh but right. I mean, the, the scary thing about oh politics though is like oh, gave me the greed chill. well it, yeah it's chill. the greed and also like there's an ego with that sort of thing i think yeah. and it's hard in that to get, position of power yes it's hard to get the best of the best people in those places because well because of the money's corruptive this is one of the biggest yes, issues. they're not there so, for the right yeah reason. It, so exactly it's, not the right it's people. the same thing as the teachers yes it's the same exact thing the yep. political positions are positions of service those yep. people should be serving uh, the, the public. The public, at, at they're voted total. officials to yes, voice to, what we think. Right. But the reason why those people are in those positions nowadays is because it is a profitable, profitable position to be in. Yes, and, and that and is sad, not okay. Yeah, and the sad thing again is too because of the division, you have to be on one side or the other. Even though most people think like us, somewhere in the in middle, the middle. Really it's the loud that, minority they, they, on the outsides of both parties. Yeah. Yep, and it mm-hmm. it will never fucking be any different until right. something drastic happens. But that's why, like, there I've been I've seen a bunch of videos of like, um, political science people that are predicting, like, for the first time in U.S. history, we could very well see a third party candidate come close to winning, if not win. In our lifetime, I very, doubt very it. close. Yeah, I think it'll happen. I mean, this last one, I was kind of hoping to see larger uh, percentages, uh, barely registered. Yep. But, but again, they they pit everybody against each other. So it's like, well, I don't want the other guy to win, so I'm just going to vote for this guy yeah. instead of looking at the third option of the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. Because they know, unfortunately, He's they're gonna not going to win. Yeah. They don't mm-hmm. even have a chance, and then you're just wasting a vote. Mm-hmm. But guess what? But if everybody if, did it, you would be wasting If 34% the vote. of people did that, you would win. Right. That stems from, like, uh, people not being able to think for themselves. They can't take two sides and then think for themselves what's right. Yeah. You know, they just see what side is 
I don't know. I don't even understand. They see what the right side at the moment to them, they relate with the most maybe. I don't know. I can't. Or to be like, you know, like I think this way strongly, more strongly, I relate to this side. So I'm just going to stay with this one. Well, maybe. But that's still them thinking. It's it's probably more of something like the people that they're around. Influencing. Are, yeah. there, are that way. I mean, this is so, I'm trying to think back to like when uh, I was younger, the reason why I was so conservative uh, in quotations, because I wasn't really, uh, was because my family members, you know, were more conservative. So I was just fitting into that group. It yeah. was, I wasn't thinking for myself. Family you know? plays a huge part huge in, that, in that. what so you that, think growing up initially. That, that's got to be what it is. These, these people that are, you know, so far one way and so far the other way, it's not, they're not even thinking for themselves, thinking that, hey, I fit into this group. It's, no, I've, I want to be accepted by the people around me. And so that's why like cities are so blue, you know, yeah. because the people around them are blue. And so then it's just this endless tragic cycle that people get caught into instead of taking a step back and thinking for themselves, hey, I agree with this and I agree with that from this side and this from that side and then making an informed decision off of that. Now I'm just trying to fit in. I bet you that's what it is. Because yeah. then you don't want to get rejected. Yeah. Because right. now you're out on both. Now you're, you're an outsider. Yeah. Because now you can't go to the other one. Because mm -hmm. now it's like, well, but I said all this about, you know. And then, hey, yep. And in the current climate that we're in right now, it's even more dramatized because when you become an outsider and you actually think for yourself, you're, you're like demonized torn down, demonized. Right. And so it's, it's even worse nowadays because if you step a little bit outside and be like, well, I actually agree with this, that belittles the rest of the shit that you agree with, with that person. And now that person, oh, that's so fucked up. Cause of one, Cause one, like, cause of one, one, like, one oh, degree me, off, dude. you're one degree yeah. off and, and you can be thrown out of that group because of that. Oh, that's so scary. I it's just like a big like click. That. It's just, it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. This group think that we have going on is not all right. Oh, cause it sucks. Cause that's human condition. Like from the start, I feel like it's always, yeah, been we're that. social beings. Yeah. We, and it's, we want to the fit wine in. to fit in, not, yeah, you want to fit in. And it's mm -hmm. also been tribe based, like sure. a tribal way to think, or it's like, you know, my side against yours Yeah, and they play off of that string every fucking time. It's a very deep instinct that we have, but. That's another reason why like family is so important, I think, because like you can have your family be that, that group, you know, like your the grounding family. force or something. Yeah. Right. Like that. Where that the larger society, you don't have to fit in with a group at the larger society because you have, you, your, them. you have your tribe, but I mean, obviously not everyone's going to get that. So how do you get around that? I mean, that's where like the humanist perspective comes in. It's where your group is the entire species. Yeah. Right. All for and one so, and one for all. So you, you want the best for the entire species, not the, the, the political group or whatever, whatever group, group you yeah. want to, you know, be a part of your, you want the best for the entire species, but is it possible to have a full global humanist perspective? That's I know, a I tough feel, question. That's what I'm saying. Is Cause like I say, like I have this humanist perspective, but I cannot take all of the humans on this planet into my own perspective i'm not even it's impossible i have no idea what is going on in other people's lives around the world so it's literally impossible Fuck, barely even around the block yeah <laughs> yeah dude yeah you barely know even around like even fuck nowadays you don't even know what the fuck's going on next door you just want maybe the best frame to look at is you just want good for people i don't know but How then you like you said that, that sometimes that could be construed in the worst way 
Yeah, right. Because then good, good, good intentions lead you to hell. Yep. Could be. Oh. The, yeah, it's that's the fucking double edged sword that we're reaching here. That's the double edged sword of the whole thing. We're just that's trying just, to find the fucking handle. This is life, bro. Hey, real quick before we go off the rails. Yeah. Could I take a piss in York? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a bad, uh, bad spot to end this. Holy fuck. <laughs> oh, man. So that's why everything has to come back to the individual, though. That's what it is. Because, I mean, you can't, you can't put yourself in that group because it's impossible to uh, avoid falling into that group think unless take it back to the individual. But again, that's the difficult step that every individual would have to take. Take on the it's responsibility. It's a leap of faith. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a leap of faith to just not get the tribe or whatever or get the, that's the difficult sticking point because some people don't have a family they can fall back on. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have that grounding force. They look for it. Where is that? And then they find that. And maybe it's. Yeah, but you hear in all this old philosophy and stuff like that, that that is you. The only thing that you need is you. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. How do you put make yourself your own tribe? A lot of self-reflection. I feel you have, like. to, you have to be very in touch with yourself, which, again, a lot of people aren't. And they Jordan. refuse to do that. Jordan Peterson talks about how you're not just you now. You're actually a community of people because you're the you in the future. You're the you that you were and you're the you right now. And I mean, like the you in the future is like, that's a bunch of different people. Yeah. I mean, there's the me in the future that's, you know, potentially like a project manager and a father and an uncle and, and, you know, all the different yous that there's going to be of me, you know? So I wonder if trying to take on that perspective of yourself is that group setting that we all long for? I wonder. That is a difficult question, though. It is. Yeah, it's almost like a how do how we do get you, there? How do you avoid that? And maybe looking at it in that way is one way, I guess. Seeing yourself as a community. I don't know, though, because I don't know if, uh, if that's actually correct. Maybe it's a self-value issue. Well, what I find is that I have no self-value without anyone else. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if I just, if me is my tribe, then that doesn't work. Brothers. Go ahead, hit the pause button on that on this. Are you sticking in the vehicle? Just hit the record button again. Yeah.